Welcome to the special Rider Reply episode of the Ocho Bowl podcast. I'm Steve Mann. I'm joined by Andrew O'Halloran. How are you, Kamish? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for having me, Manny. Pleasure, as always. Um, now, it's just the two of us today because uh, we've had a number of the league members ahead of coming to appear on the show writing a request that Keeney be absent. So not too sure what they've got in store for us, but whatever it is, they do not want Keeney in the room. Yeah, it looks like uh, Kenny's public enemy number one of the league. It's uh, the Mr. Burns of uh, the Ocho Bowl. That's what happens, I guess, if you block out the sun on a on a town. The, uh, <laughs> the denizens are probably not going to be too happy with you. Uh, so we've uh, we've got eight of the league members uh, that we'll be talking to on the show today. There's one that uh, refused to come on, the reigning champ Cam. Um, would you put it down to cowardice or just general poor human being? I mean, I, uh, I mean, you've got to go with, he's the reigning champion and he's just resting on his laurels, sitting there, doesn't want to get involved in the banter. And then he cuts off his hair for charity. And I don't think he wants anyone to see him on video with his shaved head. Uh, I can tell you a shaved head is a good look. It's a great look, particularly on a podcast where there's no video. There. I, I think he's, he's, uh, I, I think he's, he's either got too big time where he thinks that he's just, you know, reigning champ doesn't need to mess with the little people like us or else he's just not focused. Um, I've actually gone back through the history books. No reigning champ has ever gone back to back after refusing to appear on a podcast. So history is not in his favor. It's not a good way to start the season. No, karma is a brutal thing, and uh, and you know we, we've already talked a bit about the fact that you know cutting hair didn't work out for Samson, and he's just he's crossing as many black cats and you know eating as many rabbits' feet or whatever the bad luck version of that one is as he possibly can at the moment. Cam, it would appear. Yeah, and then I mean he's got rid of his good luck charm as well in Russell Wilson. He had him there, and he took um, uh, Jackson instead of him. And, I mean, that could be the start of the downward spiral. Now he's not doing podcasts. I mean, <laughs> what's next? Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, let's, let's – well, no, I was going to say let's hope that, you know, things work out for him. But I don't think, I don't think we do believe that. I think he deserves everything he gets. Um, so what are you expecting from the, from the guys we get on today? Are we expecting many fireworks? Or you think that because of the accuracy of our assessments, we'll just get a lot of agreement? Uh, there's, I mean, some people uh, we know are going to come out firing. Like Woodsy, he's got a longer run up than Dennis Lilly. Um, but then, I mean, there's going to be a couple of people. That, you know, some people take things pretty personally. So, um, uh, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be on my guard for these interviews. I think. <laughs> Who are you most excited to hear from? Oh, I think Ben. I think you never know what you're going to get when you get an interview with Ben. So, I mean, I, I live literally next in the door doorway next to him and you walk in sometimes and you just don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, looking forward to seeing what we get. Let's get stuck into them. Join 
joined by the newest and, and arguably most contentious team member in the league. Um, about as meat and potatoes as you can get, particularly if you look at that haircut. Although I, I do notice sporting a bit of facial hair that adds a little bit of mystique. Uh, ben Woods, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. Good to be here. Can you stop trading? Oh, it's, it's been hard. It's, it was a lot easier to trade draft picks than it is actual people because now I have attachment and emotion to the guys on my roster. I feel like they've had a really good um, training camp and uh, they're ready for a big year for the cleats and potatoes. Well, I'm just going to start off with, the, are you happy with the pre-draft trades? Do you, looking where players fell, would you take any of them back? To, to be honest, I was actually pretty happy. Um, I was going to touch on this in a little bit, but one of my draft strategies was I didn't really see a standout. Well, I had to pick 10 to start off with. I didn't really see a standout running back there. So that for me, there was a bit of a probably four or five guys that you could throw a blanket over. So I thought, let's just go back, uh, try and upgrade one of the picks in the later rounds so that I've got, you know, first crack at one of the guys I might feel a bit more strongly about. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of happy to just let let it wait, see who fell to me, um, take Eckler with that 18th pick. I'd argue Eckler at 17 was as good as anyone that went after 10 if you wanted a running back. Like, yeah, you had Drake at 12, Sanders, Jacobs. Yeah, Eckler, Connor, yeah, I, Jones. There might be a standout from those guys, but I'd didn't back myself to be able to pick who it actually was going to be that broke out. So I was just happy to get any of them, really. I listened with interest before when you said you were finding difficult to trade players because I've got it on good authority. You've put forward about 200 trade requests for both Boston Scott and Travis Kelsey. Care to comment? <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, I've hounded Andrew's... Uh, DMs as well as Keeney. Not, it's not even the DMs for Keeney. I'm just happy to do that in the group chat if I need to. Um, <laughs> Were you ever any chance of of not taking Kelsey at 20? Oh, if he was there, no. He, that, that was always the number one target, Kelsey. Yeah. I actually even thought about um, if all the running backs that I targeted were gone by that 17, I might have even gone Kelsey there. Ooh. Yeah, because I, I was trying to get Kelsey in a running back with my 19-20 pick, or, and then it was became 19-22. I think I traded with you on that. So, um, yeah, as it turned out... I, you sniped me for Mahomes, so... Uh, you up, you well, sounds like we had the same ideas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well, very good. Why the cookie crumbles? It could have really saved me down the track as well, but we'll get to my man, Alan, later on. I think you boys have... Followed the innovator of me with my strategy last year of taking Kelsey and Mahomes. <laughs> True. But yeah, it didn't work it, out for you though. Yeah, if, if we'd realised that that was your strategy, we would have stayed a mile away from it after your performance <laughs> last year. So, so Woodsy, talk us through your draft strategy. What were you thinking? Other than the fact that you wanted to clock up as many trades as you possibly could. Other, what, what were you thinking? Camo, he, he's the one that killed me on that. He's probably the only bloke in the league that I didn't trade with pre-draft, so I was pretty flat about that. Probably um, threw me off for the rest of my entire draft, to be honest. I just uh, felt like I didn't achieve what I set out to achieve. <laughs> but, yeah, so if you're listening, fuck you, Camo. You prick. Nah, draft strategy was just, you know, the old meat and potatoes type strategy. Um, I'm not your hipster-style trader like 
Keeney with his zero RBs approach. Um, I'd like to get like to get a good one early. I saw in that that middle range. I wanted to probably get as as many picks as I could inside sixty because um, I saw a lot of good wide receiver options around that probably forty to seventy ish range, um, and yeah, it worked out pretty well. I think, or at least I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I was happy to get Alan Robinson at twenty nine. I think he finished at about uh, WR seven last year, so pretty good to get him there. Um, Got a little cheeky little stat on Alan Robinson. Wide receiver two or better in 63% of his games last year. And the only blokes to uh, do better than that were Thomas Hopkins, Jones and Adams. So he's um, he's a nice high floor kind of guy. So to rely on him as a wide receiver every week, I'm happy with that. Cooper Cup, um, tossed up Juju there, but once bitten, twice shy. Um, to be honest, if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't choose Juju, but yeah, I'm happy to not own him and not have to, uh, I guess, suffer that, him not even outscoring a kicker, that type of shit. <laughs> Brilliant um, coaching, that one was. Yeah. The contentious one, Steve, that you had a crack at me about on the previous podcast was the Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, I, I wasn't actually targeting in, in any of my mocks. Didn't actually think he'd be there at 50. Uh, most of the... Uh, stuff I was looking at, it was going either probably too early in like the late 30s or even um, early 40s. So when he came around at, at 50 and I saw the other running backs on the board and I knew that my next couple of picks, I'd probably be targeting wide receivers. I just thought, yeah, I'll take the best running back and Le'Veon was that. He's one of those guys... It's one of those guys, someone's always getting sucked in. So we'll see. He might. I mean, at 50, if if he turns out to be a... RB2, it's a good pick. That's it. Yeah, I feel like I, I minimise the downside risk at 50. If you're picking him at his ADP, which I think is about 36, then obviously he's a massive risk. But 50 probably kind of eases some of the, the pain there. Oh, I'm surprised Ben Colgrande didn't take him, to be honest, because he just seems to love taking those guys that everyone else just completely thinks is overrated. <laughs> oh, happy to have him. See how he goes. The, to be honest, I'll just be hoping for like either Adam Gase to get fired or Le'Veon to be traded. I think that's the probably best <laughs> upside. Anything can happen this year. Yeah. Yeah. What, so, what did you think of our review of your team? This is your chance. But what's your, what was your take, and how, how much were we on the money? Look at- the um the general feel was that oh yeah let's have a let's have a crack at Woodsy here and then from, from what I could hear from you blokes is that the more and more you actually started talking about my team the more you realised that oh hold on actually maybe he's done pretty decent here and I'd, I'd like to probably give a special mention to old mate Keeney who couldn't be here with us tonight unfortunately because I'd love to tee off on him and, and see what he has to say but I didn't have a writer reply last time so it's probably a good thing that he doesn't either. Um, I don't know if you've got five yours. Do you want to go through Keeney's team? Because the guy had a lot of opinions, a lot of opinions about mine, and I have a lot of opinions about his. So let's get. You've got the mic, Woodsy. It's it's all it's all over to you. Chris Keene, you absolute hipster. You zero (laughs) RB approach. It has absolutely killed you, mate. This is not Fitzroy. This is not Brunswick. Be a bit more sensible next time. Mate, none of this fucking this these stupid mustaches, these almond skinny lattes. What are you doing taking Tyreek Hill 
over Julio Jones. That is an absolute hipster pick. What have you done? Here's a stat for you, Kenny. You're a stats man. You love this kind of shit. Tyreek Hill was a WR2 or better. So top 24 WR wide receiver last year, only 44% of the time. Julio Jones was a WR1 42% of the time. So your floor with Tyreek Hill, shithouse. And what have you gone and done with your next pick of a wide receiver? DJ Moore, I'll give you that. He's not too bad. But you've gone and selected Mike Evans, who is in exactly the same boat, scored about half of his points last year from about a three-game stretch, and the rest was just pus. You've drafted George Kittle ahead of Travis Kelsey, and you're not trading him to me, so you're a (laughs) fuck. But you've decided to take the second-best tight end when the first-best tight end was still on the board. Ridiculous. (laughs) Grow up. And then let's get into your running back, mate. So this is where your hipster approach is absolutely killed you mate so the next running back the sorry the first running back you've taken on the board is swift correct me if i'm wrong but the lions have just signed adrian peterson <laughs> true or false steve correct that's that is true and i that's think correct, uh, as we might have pointed out when we analyzed Keeney's team he was at best in a in a sort of timeshare uh but you know backup running back to start the season arrangement anyway so you can't just uh, the AP thing was a little unlucky, but there was definite doubt going into the draft. Absolutely. So he he thought that you know he was some awesome guy that was going to be a league league winner for him. Here he is at pick sixty two. If you let's have a quick look at some of the other names that were on the board there. Was it sixty two? Fifty fifty sixty took him, I think. Oh wow! It just gets worse. Fifty five is Keenan Allen. 59, Devontae Parker, 57, T.Y. Hilton, 58, Darren Waller. There is serious names on the board. Like, even if you want to go a little bit later, Michael Gallup, A.J. Green, Stefan Diggs, like, okay, he doesn't need any any wide receivers by this stage, but I'm just pointing out there that his decision not to take a a running back earlier has really cost him because he's gone for one of these, you know, weaker running backs that has all these question marks on him when he could have been... Just uh, exploring the the idea of a really solid wide receiver in this area. So let's see how he goes with his next pick after Swift. Okay. J.K. Dobbins at 65. Mate, he has just been listed fourth on the depth chart. Fourth. Bikini. He should be in the free agency. What have you done? Swift. The next one, Phillips, Philip Lindsay, as you continue your running back heavy approach in these middle rounds. He's, he's at best at a timeshare at the moment. Probably needs Melvin Gordon to get injured to do anything uh, of serious note. And then next up, you've shown exactly why the zero RB approach is absolutely shithouse because you've just selected two pretty bloody decent wide receivers, Deontay and Preston Williams, so you're showing that you actually can find some value in wide receivers this late in drafts. Then you've selected Raygor, who's injured. Mate, you have the you definitely have the worst team in the league. The next pick, you selected Daniel Jones. And I really want to hone in on this one, Keeney. I really want to hone in on Jones, who you selected one pick before Carson Wentz. And then you proceeded to drop Jones already. So one thing I want to point out, because Keeney's very much... 
on the bandwagon of don't draft a defense early. Give, giving me a little bit of shit for drafting, being the first to draft San Fran. He's on record in the last uh, podcast saying that there's plenty of value around there. You shouldn't be drafting your defense or your kickers around, you know, round 12. Oh, well done, Kenny. You've, you've shown me the value that you can draft around <laughs> well, round 12. You've drafted a guy that you've already dropped to the free agency without seeing him play. Good stuff, mate. Grow up. Uh, any others, Budzi? You've got three more players in his team that you haven't taken a swipe at yet. Oh, who, who do we have? Maybe they're you've all got Chanel, you've got uh, well, Edmonds and Love, the two backups. <laughs> he's dropped Chanel, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's, he dropped him off. Well, yeah. I mean, he's made a few moves. I saw Rashard yeah. Penny is on the, the pup list and he's put him in his reserves. Mate, Kenny, speaking of pup list, that might be a bloody good name, team name for you. Physically unable <laughs> to perform, mate. Oh, I love it. Uh, so, Woodsy, if you were playing Keeney this week head-to-head, what what margin... It's fair to say, I think you, you'd be backing yourself. The dude. line would be 30. He's starting J.K. Dobbins. He might not get a touch. Fourth in the depth chart. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, now you've sharpened your nails on, on Keeney's team. What's the, what's the best bit about your team? What are your strengths, do you reckon? Uh, my t- I would say that probably the depth in my team is, is pretty strong. I'm pretty happy at the moment. I have Jarvis Landry coming off the bench. Um, so I think in the bye weeks, I'll, I'll probably be pretty strong. I've got some guys that can come in and plug some holes. Marlon Max obviously getting the first crack at that starting job in, um, at the Colts. Hopefully he can do something with it. Otherwise, Taylor's going to take that over pretty quickly. But, yeah, contract year for Marlon Mack. See how he goes. First crack at the first roll of the dice. So he might not be uh, too too keen to re- relinquish that spot. And I don't think that the Colts are a team that is, like, preparing for the future. They're, they're sneaky good. So they'll be looking to win now. Are you... Are you- Nervous on your you, you mentioned Marlon Mack and we obviously talked about Le'Veon. I think Eckler's a great pick, but you've there's question marks around pretty much every other running back you've got on your roster. Are you nervous at that position at all? Because I think you're, you're pretty strong. Yeah, no, that would be, be the weakness. I'm pretty happy with the wide receiver depth having yeah, Boyd and Landry there coming off the bench. Um, yeah, that's why I, I went pretty heavy towards the end of the draft. So I went Mack, Breeder, Boston Scott. Um, Scott's probably only he's, a, he's a, maybe a potential flex play and unless Sanders gets injured then maybe he gets a little bit of a bump but it's more your kind of um, your passing down kind of guy anyway Breeder, just thought he'd have a crack at him see who gets the starting job there at Miami uh, Max the one that I probably need need to break out to have that depth at the running back see how that goes on the podcast, we dogged you for picking Landry when you were a bit weak at running back over RG or Ronald Jones, uh, Tariq Cohen, Moss, Lindsay, Vaughan with the next couple of running backs. Do you look back at that and think you should have taken a running back there or are you still happy with that Landry pick? Let me have another, let me have another quick squeeze. I was pretty happy to get Landry. Um, I did have a little stat on Landry here. One of only three wide receivers to finish top 24 for the last five years running. So I just thought, get a bit of a bit of stability there from the guy. I know it's obviously a little bit of an 
new system there. They've got a lot of changes over the off-season, so see how that goes. So Ronald Jones, probably glad I stayed away from that. Tariq Cohen, maybe he's got some good upside for the short term at least. Moss, make a, yeah, make a break. Lindsay was probably one I would ha- would have had a crack at. Uh, I just think that maybe Denver can get use out of both their backs. I think there's probably... Lindsay showed last year that he can make it work in a, a bit of a timeshare. So, um, yeah, he's a good plug and play, especially during those buy rounds again. I think I personally was pretty critical of uh, Josh Allen as a pick at 83. We, and we talked a lot about... The fact that you could have got, well, Carson Wentz went 55 picks later as an example. Um, if you had your time again, do you take a quarterback there or do you wait? I'll definitely wait. Definitely wait. Um, hindsight's wonderful, obviously, but if I knew that Carson Wentz is going to be there 50 picks later, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely holding out on that, especially if I was to know things like Chris Keane would take Daniel Jones before Carson Wentz. That, that's probably an indication for me to just say maybe hold off on quarterbacks for now and just see what drops your way towards the end of the, the draft. Yeah, that's, that's the major regret. I, I do think that Allen has a pretty good floor with those r- rushing yards, but yeah, he's a bit of an erratic bastard, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to rely on him as a, as a weekly starter. Well, the good news for you is if you're interested in Daniel Jones, he's sitting on the waivers at the moment. So you've got free reign if you want him. The only thing is I'm not interested. <laughs> Have, uh, I think, is Josh Allen, we, we, we talked about him, is he your, the biggest weakness in your team or is it the running backs? Or what, do you, what do you think your biggest weakness uh, is? Well, it's not the kicker. It's not the defense. It's not the tight end because I've got the number one of each for all three of those positions going into the... Start of the season, obviously things will change. Um, look, Allen is, I think the rankings had him around QB seven or eight. So by that metric, you know, I'm around middle of the league. It's, if, if middle of the league in one position is my absolute weakness, then I think that my team's doing all right. But yeah, look, it would be. It would be. And you've mentioned the rankings a couple of times. I know it's the big question on everyone's mind. You, you were very, very excited about the, the post-draft grades. How much did you pay for your subscription, number one? And number <laughs> two, is it a, is a yearly subscription? And will you subscribe again next year? Do you think it's paid off for you? I'm, I'm a cheeky bastard. So what I do is I sign up in the month that we do the draft. And I'll just do the one month. Um, so yeah, I've already cut it, but I've, I think I've got probably about a week and a half left of the subscription before it, it runs out. Um, I don't mind the old fantasy pros. So what I do is, so I, I think Dale uses it as well. I think he just uses the whole expert ranking, whereas I combine like the best 20 blokes from like the last three years on how they've gone on their projections. So I've combined their rankings and just you, the way I see it is these blokes surely should know a little bit more about NFL than I do. So you compile their projections, give me some sort of consensus to, to work with. Um, I didn't do it. I didn't always go with their projections. So they, they told me that I should have drafted Juju. I went for Cup. They told me that I should have drafted. Um, I don't know. Kelsey was one of one that they definitely said. Alan Robinson was definitely one that felt like a steal uh, as per the projections. But yeah, I don't think I should have. I probably should have listened to them because I wouldn't have drafted um, Josh Allen. Well, and how much did it cost you? 
uh, circa 30 bucks, I reckon. So almost the whole league fee. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was wondering. 60% of the league fee. And, and, and based on the fact that, have, is this the first year you've done it? Uh, no, I did, I did it last year as well. So right. So and, and that it doesn't work. Three years in the league. So that's three years of entry fees, so 150, and then you've paid this. That's so another 60. So 210 dollars for how many? How much have you got back so far? Is that, is that zero? Uh, yes, zero. Uh, I didn't use it in the first year of the league, though. So I'm only. I'm, what's that? 180 then? <laughs> uh, it sounds like a shrewd investment, was he? Yeah, loving it. So, couple of final questions for us. Um, one last one on your team. Do you think this is the year you go above seventh? Definitely. This is the year. Top four Be for sure. Worried if you said no. <laughs> There's a couple of guys out there who I've spoken to who do not like their teams. Um, <laughs> there was one we talked up on the podcast and he messaged me afterwards and goes, you guys like my team far, far more than I do. Oh, well, <laughs> All right. Well, we, we, we look forward to finding out. And then just a couple of quick ones for you. Uh, best team other than your own. Uh, I'm on record as saying I actually don't mind Camo's team. So uh, probably because he's another meat and potato style drafter like myself. <laughs> um, he's got the, he went a couple of RBs early, Jacobs, CEH, Odell and Juju in the starting wide receiver slots. Hunter Henry's a tight end with upside, finished the season well last year, got his homer picks in. Keenan Allen as well. He did get that Carson Wentz pick at 138, but probably didn't need him because he already had Kyler Murray sitting there. Um, so, Come over if you want to trade me Carson Wentz because you're probably going to start Murray every week and I'm not going to start Ellen every week. So, yeah, give, send me some offers for Carson Wentz and we'll see if we can do something. And then he's got himself some high upside guys as well. The handcuffs like Madison, uh, like Moss has that upside as well. So I could see Camo, you know, if a few dominoes fall his way, he, he might go all right. Tell you what, there's, there's no more meat and potatoes than refusing to dra- trade with anyone pre-draft. So you're right about that one. Um, and, and worst team? Oh, Kenny. Do I really have to? That is, <laughs> it's worse than Fitzy's. And that's saying a lot. It, it, it's saying a bit given half of Fitzy's players have quit before the season's even started. <laughs> if I don't sign into the NFL app tomorrow and see Keeney's team ch- name change to Pup, Physically unable to perform, I will be very upset. I think everyone's going to be looking forward to the Week Nine uh, Woodsy v Keeney matchup now. Keeney, the grudge match. If, if you want to spice it up a little bit, fifty bucks head to head. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Another fifty Woodsy's putting into this season potentially for no return I'm, again. I'm going to win back everything that I've lost I mean, so far. You shouldn't take your losses, yeah. Woodsy. This is the year. Well, I hope for your sake it is and I hope for, for everyone else's sake that uh, it remains as entertaining as it started off for us. Thanks very much for being with us, Woodsy. We, uh, we look forward to speaking to you later on in the season. Thanks for having me, lads. Yeah, we're here with Dale. Uh, Dale, maybe the most fiery member of the league. Um, Dale, how are you going today? <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks, Andrew. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, so first thing that people want to know is what's your draft strategy? Well, what was your draft strategy going in? What was my draft strategy going in? Um, so 
I had plenty of time, as Manny uh, has well documented on this uh, podcast. I had plenty of time to sit around and think about it. Um, I think for me, it became quite it became clear quite early that uh, people were willing to kind of um, move back from the first round. So having picked two and then uh, 23, I think it kind of opened up an opportunity to try and get a couple first rounders. Uh, Fitzy then went and just buggered that up for everyone um, by giving away all his picks to get Manny's pick, uh, pick five or six. I don't even know which one was actually his in the end. So, yeah, that made it uh, that made it very very difficult to uh, to try and get a, a first round pick at a um, at a reasonable price because everyone just wanted all your picks for a first round. Then I think you finally um, you finally got you finally got sucked into giving away just picks. Uh, two and round two and three picks for a first rounder. So I think that kind of opened up after then people were happy to kind of talk. Uh, so yeah, ended up with uh, with two and nine. So my strategy was to go hard early. I really wanted Devonte Adams. Uh, that was kind of my strategy was to try and get um, Saquon and then Devonte with picks two and nine. That didn't quite pan out, um, but very happy to have swept on Cook at nine. Um, and then I think from there it was just. Um, I always like Taylor at 40 um, and having already got the two starting running backs as my one, two, it, uh, I think that made that decision to get him uh, at 40 uh, quite easy. And then knowing everyone else is going to take him in the picks following that, um, <laughs> I think again, kind of justified me going with that one. Um, then there was some quality wide receivers still around. So uh, yeah, got them into the team next. Then I think this is where it kind of, you know, my strategy was was questioned by some on this podcast uh, about my next few picks. But uh, it was always kind of a tough choice at 71 whether to take um, quarterback or go with kind of some depth. I knew there'd be some good quarterbacks still floating around. Um, I really liked uh, Deshaun Watson, um, but I think he went the pick before me, if I remember right. Um so still happy with Russell. Um, I think he's a, a quite a solid, solid uh, quarterback. He should finish top five again, hopefully. Um, and then I think my tight end was probably the hardest decision I think I had to make for the whole draft of that 93 with Higby. Um, you know, it, it was one of those, I think, I, I, sorry, it was at 95. So I think either I had to take him there or I just had to run the risk of not getting him. There was a lot of picks between my next one at 119. Um, I still thought there was enough depth in wide receiver and running back around those picks that I could kind of go early on a on him there um, and run the risk. Um, I think um, Gronk was the only one who went between then. So, you know, would have Fitzy taken him? I don't know. He does like an older team. So um, he probably doesn't fit the bill for, for a Fitzy team. Um, so, yeah. But I think overall, I was quite happy with the way it planned out. I, I think, you know, the first half of the draft, I really got what I wanted to. I was hoping for a little bit more kind of value left with some of my later picks. But um, you guys love to go early on a rookie. So um, I lost a lot of the ones that I had slated for kind of in the late hundreds, kind of went early early and late uh, 90s. Um, so I kind of had to pick on the fly and end up with a few blokes that I did no research on at all. But I think overall, it's it's I'm quite happy with it. Um, you know, I've got the second best kicker in, in defense, thanks to you, Blake's not understanding that we need one in our team. So, um, again, your lack of understanding of how the game's played, I think, helped uh, help me capitalize there. <laughs> was it right until the end? Yeah, that was a very serious answer. Um, but for the viewers <laughs> at home who unfortunately can't see what we're seeing, he's basically been spinning around the screen like there's no gravity in his house or something. His camera clearly doesn't know which way he's up, first of all. Second of all, he's dressed in like a boxing robe hoodie. 
with the with the gamer's mic and a headset on. Um, and thirdly, he's sipping <laughs> from a tumble glass of scotch, from what I can tell. What are you drinking? Uh, it's bourbon. It's Old Forester. It's just finishing up the bottle. That I had to. I started at eight, and I didn't realise I'd almost finished a bottle by the time I actually got on. <laughs> it's going to work out the courage for all of the hot takes he's got on. Other yeah, well, you guys, have, you've given me the easy question to start with. Um, you know, I'm ready to ready to kind of fire up now. Well, you spent twenty minutes answering that question, so thanks, Dale. It's been a pleasure having you. <laughs> Uh, just to wrap you up, if anyone from Old Forest is listening, we're still in need of a sponsor, so feel free to give us a call. Um, Quality stuff, smooth going down. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. I'll tell you what wasn't smooth going down, um, and, and that was your wide receivers. Um, you've got Metcalf and Sutton, who are kind of second-year players, high risk. John Brown is old. Reliable. Nice reliable. Mike Williams is injured. You admitted to me after the draft that you didn't even know who Justin Jefferson was before you drafted. No him. idea. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, and that's all of them. So, so tell me, you got to start at least two. Um, oh, I've already dropped uh, one of them. Um, yeah, well, two of them are on Sutton and Metcalf. That's easy. You, you, you're comfortable that is that is that your weakest position? Do you think? No, I don't have any weak positions. Uh, yeah, no, obviously, it, yeah, obviously, it is not taking not taking my first wide receiver until uh, pick fifty three, I think it was. Um, it was always a risk um, going in with the three running backs first up. Uh, but no, I think you know, I think there's plenty of upside on both of them. There was a lot of kind of other guys who were taken around there who are you know coming off poor in, poor seasons or have had you know, bad injury runs. So. Uh, no, I was happy to take the risk on on those two. There was a couple others that I liked that unfortunately went, but um, more than happy. I, I always had DK Metcalf slated for one of those two picks. I was more than happy he was there. I thought Sutton might have been gone actually, so to have him still around at um, at that pick, I was uh, no quite happy with both of them. Uh, yeah, look, I probably am lacking a little bit of depth um, in, in wide receiver to be honest, but uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy with uh, with how it's ended up. I think there's enough strength in my running backs to. To not uh, to not worry about it too much. Are you worried about Taylor now? The sort of coming out of camp since the draft, it looks like it's going to be Mac to start off with, and that you know he's dropping passes. Are you worried that he might not take the job this year? Nah, nah I think that the best thing to come out of it was hot hand. Uh, so you know, everyone <laughs> knows that means that means the incumbent's not going to last very long. So um, I think Woodsy's foolish for not having traded me Mac for for anything he can get at the moment because he'll be on the waivers by by the fourth round. Yeah, d- did you know who Blake Jarwin was when you drafted, and do you know who? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. As I said, I had a lot of time to plan <laughs> to plan for this. Uh, for this, and he was—I uh, knew exactly when I could get him to. Uh, so no, I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did know who he was. Um, I there was a—I did actually map it out that he may have been my only tight end at one stage. But I—I um, I do like to go with the two tight ends. It's one of those positions that you know, knowing you can use it in the flex. It's good to have a couple up your sleeve, and they get injured and have ups and downs. So I like having two. Um, tight end, so I was more than happy to, to grab him <laughs> towards the end of the draft. I thought it was a, it was a good buy. You, you touched on Russell Wilson 
when you gave us your very, very lengthy rundown of your team when the question was, what was your strategy? Not who did you draft and tell us everything about each of those players. Well, that was my strategy. My strategy ended up playing out. So I was very happy with that. <laughs> right. Well, well what, what, you, you, yeah. you did touch on Russell and the, the quandary that was whether you take him then or wait. Um, when you look at the draft board now and you see who went later and what picks they went, would you do anything different or are you happy with him? No, I think it, I, I'm very, I'm very happy with the, what I did. Um, the fact that I was, and you know, this was questioned by uh, by a couple of the members of the podcast team as to, you know, why would you take a second quarterback when you already had kind of Russell Wilson up your sleeve? Um, and for me, I mean, yes, there was a lot of quality left, but um, you know, quarterbacks can get injured. We saw last year half the quarterbacks in the league got injured um, before kind of round four, so. Um, you know, being able to have Tom Brady sitting there on the bench, you know, just gives you that option for, you know, I think Russell's got his buy in week six. So to answer Keeney's question of when will the bloody hell are you going to play Tom Brady? Well, week six will be when I play him. Um, he comes onto the field birthday, straight away. Well, so he should be on that week. Well, I mean, you look at it, you can either play Tom Brady, who's, you know, probably going to be a top 10 quarterback again this year, or you have to go to the waivers that round and you can end up with someone like, you know, Gardner Minshew, like yuck, who wants him as your starting quarterback any week? Um, I think there's one guy on this podcast who's unfortunately not with us tonight, but I think there's one guy who would very, very much like Gardner Minshew to be his quarterback. Yeah, and that's probably why we don't really take too much interest in what he has to say. I mean, the guy doesn't like defences, but that doesn't surprise me if you ever played footy with him. He doesn't have a defensive bone in his body. So, like, let's be honest, you need a defence, you need a quarterback, you need some, you need a quarterback to play during your bye week. Why not set yourself up? You know, at one at pick 140-something when I took him, it's all speculative picks at that round, you know, that pick anyway. Most of those guys are already back on the waivers. So why not take him off the board, make sure no one else can grab him and just sit him on your bench all year as a, as a backup for the big, the big man, Russell. Speculative, except for uh, Blake Jarwin, of course, who you strategically plan to take at that exact <laughs> point to start a drop. <laughs> enough, enough people on Fantasy Pro uh, <laughs> told me to take him that you just have to do it. Now, on Fantasy Pros, it was one that we delved into with Woodsy earlier. Would you uh, consider going halves with him in a subscription next year? We've worked out <laughs> how much money he's put into this league, both in terms of entry fees and subscriptions, and it's not a pretty balance sheet. And as an accountant, you'd understand that uh, and the value of diversification. So you're considering going in with him next year? No, no, I, th- I feel like you get enough off the free side. I don't know why anyone would pay money for it. And, you know, looking at Woodsy's team at the end of it, was it really worth the investment? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's already tried to trade me half his players. Like, he just, you know, trading before the draft wasn't enough. He, he's kept going afterwards. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think I would be investing money in that. Well, on Woodsy, I asked him about the availability of one of his players and his response was just to send me a screenshot of the fantasy pros rankings and this is where i've got him ranked it doesn't tell me anything about him yeah you use the rankings as a as a guide though and they were to be honest they were pretty good i I think up to about the 75th pick basically they kind of had all those guys in there i think um there was a couple of camo's picks that kept throwing it out that he went very early on um but i think overall they were were pretty close on the average draft position um so i mean it's a cheat sheet it was a pretty good guide i don't know whether i'd swear by it as a bible um as some others have but uh, it's certainly uh, i was certainly happy with it as my guide (laughs) 
You've told us what you think about your team. Um, mm-hmm. now, now tell us what you think about what we think about your team. How did we go with our post-draft analysis? <laughs> oh, I feel like I've already fired these shots. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should know not to fire shots too early. Oh, I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe just cut some of that other stuff in. Um, <laughs> no, look, this I is thought, you, if you think there's cutting in going on, you're far, far over. <laughs> we, we, we barely edit out when I went out for 15 minutes before because Jack was crying. Barely. I there's thought no it was just because you probably got bored during Woodsy's rant. Um, no, look, I think, <laughs> I think to be honest, you guys probably, I think you said my team was good. Um, enough but you questioned a couple of those later picks uh look i i, I stand by this the russell wilson pick at 71 um and taking the two quarterbacks i think that for me is the right strategy i've always done q two qbs you need to play someone during your bye week so more than happy to have one of the better ones sitting there ready to go if something does go wrong um again two tight ends i've always done two tight ends it's um it's been a, a formula for me so I'm happy to to do that. You, know, you can have as much wide receiver depth, but at the end of the day, you need the strong starters. So that's where I've gone with. And the kicker in defense, it just I still just don't understand how how people don't have kickers and defenses in their team. We need them. Um, and so for me, going early on on the defense, well, it wasn't really early. It was like the second last pick I think I had. Um, just made sense. I mean, defenses score. Um, and they score more than some players that were taken in the fifth round this year. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like you blokes missed the mark on, on the assessment um, totally. <laughs> you started with saying, I think you got it pretty right. <laughs> <laughs> totally on the assessment. And I'll just point out for you, you took a defense with your fourth last pick at pick 140 with 40 picks still to go in the draft. Um, yeah, but I had a whole heap clustered together at that stage. So I had picked 140, 141, 154, and 167. So um, for me, it wasn't that early because I knew I was going to get Blake Jarwin at 154 because none of you guys had heard of him. And um, with the last pick, I took a kicker, which, again, I knew I'd be able to get either the, the number one or the number two. Woodsy threw me there. He went early on a kicker. Um, I thought I was going to get the uh, the top kicker, but that's okay. I'm happy with Justin Tucker. Um because, yeah, again, as I said, none of you guys realise that we actually need a kicker in our team. I think the... And, and I'm and I'm staunch anti-kicker. I think the argument with kickers and theoretically defences is it's basically just a lottery anyway. So don't waste your picks on them. Just take extra guys and see where they sit before week one and then drop them and pick up a kicker or a defence, particularly with kickers. Because the chance... Like, three points for a field goal, one point for a touchdown how do you know whether they're going to get stopped within 30 yards of the end zone? It's difficult. Look, I'm, going to, I'm going to hit you with some knowledge about this theory that you all have that they're useless. So, and I know Andrew loves a great stat and I know Keeney's a stats man. So here's a stat for you. Last year, eight defenses scored more than 140 points. So to put that in perspective, if you look at that's more than what Juju scored all of last year, Thielen scored, T.Y. Hilton scored. So defenses win championships. So but getting in early and getting the best ones. Is that you can't actively predict defenses year to year. Normally the top defense off the board each year doesn't end up in the top five the next year. So it's the, the anti-defense 
uh, mindset is that you're better off waiting and then finding one on the waiver wire that is the breakout defense rather than spending a pick that you could have got someone. Um, though this year, I think everyone has dropped their last two or three picks this year, so it doesn't really matter. But some years, you know, you do, you do get the steal of the draft there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's that's my view as well. And I don't know if your sticky note has this written on it anywhere, Dale. But, um, <laughs> that's I it. Just, that's all it's got on there, and it's got okay. Kitsy sucks. Because um, <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to see if those eight from last year were the top eight ranked defenses at the draft. Because I, I, I'm tipping they probably would eight random ones. I think that's the problem. That's not, that's not my point. But anyway, <laughs> we know that can normally, be valuable. And I think you actually, I think you actually told people this. I normally just look. I actually don't even care about defenses. I normally um, save them for my last pick. But I knew you guys were all going to wait. Um, well, the majority of people were going to wait, so I thought I would go early. Um, but normally, I just pick whoever's ranked the best week one defense, and then see what happens from there. Um, normally, you end up holding them because if they have a good one, or you just piss them off and get the next best one that's on the waivers, as you said. But um, I feel like, you know, it's so speculative when you're picking at you know, those picks anyway. And most of them have, as I said, been waived already. So, um, yeah, I was more than happy. There was no one that I liked anyway left. So, might as well grab a great defense while you can. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out for you. But I, I don't mind the thinking around week one. Um, how, how good, before we jump into other teams, I've got one last question on your team. How okay. excited do you get when you look at your two starting running backs, Barkley and Cook? Because in my view, you've got the best two, the best combination of two in the league. Um, is, is it pretty exciting just to get to skim your eyes straight past the running back position and worry about the rest of your team when you're setting a lineup? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, look, I was surprised Cook got there. I think in, you know, when I was kind of planning for it, I, I assumed Henry might be the one that dropped. Um, not so much Cook, but I guess there was, well, there still is the question mark about whether he'll hold out or not. Um, but... You know, I think he, he's just too good a player if he if he does manage to play the whole year. Hopefully he does. Um, that Yeah, um, it's basically just set and forget them all except for one round when they have their buys. And I'll worry about that then. But, yeah, no, it um, makes for a pretty pretty good combination. I'm just looking at them now. And yeah, no, they look nice. <laughs> with Cook, because uh, you took Higby with 95, was there any thought of taking Madison there instead to shore up? In case uh, you some time off. Um, so, uh, no, it wasn't because I wasn't smart enough to, to think about the handcuff <laughs> in all my uh, in all my assessments, and uh, that I actually missed that. Plus, I, I I probably didn't expect him to go that early. I thought he might have still been there, kind of around that one nineteen pick. Um, but <laughs> yes, no, I um, I genuinely. Missed that one, and on on review, in hindsight, I when I looked at where he did go, I thought, yeah, maybe that should have been the smarter move to handcuff him. Um, but hopefully, there won't be a need. Outside of your team, which clearly you rate very, very highly, judging by the look on your face throughout this podcast, uh, and the the way you've sipped the scotch or sipped the bourbon as you've uh, so going to need a refill about your lineup. What, what's the best team in the league? Outside of you, look, I, I, didn't know. I had a bit of a look around before we did this. Um, I actually, I actually, you know, I know he had the number one pick, but I actually think Reese ended up um, with a very good hand, considering where you kind of end up on the turn um, with most of it. He's kind of 
got got all co- all bases covered. He's ended up with a pretty decent um, RB two in in Chubb, um, a couple solid wide receivers. Um, you know, Cam Newton's obviously a bit of a question mark, but could do anything. So, um, and he's got a fair bit of kind of cover on the bench as well. So, uh, and he's got a complete team, which I think, you know, for me, that's that's a big tick. Uh, he's got a kicker and a defense in there. So, uh, I quite like what Reese was able to pull off uh, with with these. Um, I actually don't even, I don't mind Haver's team either. Um, I think he's kind of got again a, a nicely balanced team with a lot of depth on the bench. Um, I know he's still he's a kicker short, so I'm kind of waiting. To see who he waves because he's going to have to put someone with a little bit of value um, back out into the system. But um, yeah, I don't mind Haver's team as well. Describing Antonio Brown as value is an interesting. I guess he sits on the on the, <laughs> um, the IR list. So yeah, mm. but that that should free up his spot to start with, right? So he should have a spare one. Uh, I think he's already picked up a player to replace him. Yeah, yeah, he's picked up someone. All right. Well, what, what about the worst team? <laughs> the worst team. Uh, this was probably a lot tougher because there were so many shockers. Um, <laughs> I think um, it's interesting actually because you know he he was very very conservative uh, going into the draft. Decided not to trade any of his picks, and then he's probably gone with one of the uh, one of the most riskiest teams out there. He's taken you know, a rookie with his first pick, gone uh, gone early on on the rookie. He's taken one of the most boom or bust quarterbacks in the league and Murray, he's kind of got Juju who did stuff all last year. Um, Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, you know, got a new quarterback and no one knows what's going to happen with that system. Keenan Allen's what, like 55 or something. Um, yeah. He's got a well-documented uh, Sony Michel uh, sitting on his bench, a couple of rookie who's behind their starters at the moment. So he's got no coverage at wide receiver either. So I just think, you know, Camo, for someone who played it so safe going into the draft, I think he, t- you know, he might have blown it uh, blown it in the actual draft. And I know both Keeney and, uh, and Andrew liked his team. So, again, that kind of doesn't doesn't say much <laughs> for those two. Uh, and then I think the other one, um, as I said, I thought Fitzy kind of ruined the whole draft um, with his trade to you, Manny, where he gave you basically all his picks um, before 50s to get one pick off you. But then you shut the bed as soon as kind of Kelsey and, um, and Kittle were off the table. So, um, you know, I thought you had the, the draft hand of the night and then you somehow still managed to blow it. Um, just all over the shop with your picks. You've got, you know, three blokes from the same team who, you know, they can't all get points. So, yeah, no, I thought oh, you... Wait, 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 hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> are you sure you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a reason Julio slid to 19. Oh, that's, oh, that's a hot take. As, as is as is typically come over for last. Not that I not that I disagree with you that he's got holes. He's got got about as many holes as Keeney's team does at the moment, which seems to be bleeding players onto the waivers. I look to be <laughs> to be honest. I didn't even want to have a look at Keeney's team once I saw he picked up Minshew. Um, <laughs> like please, <laughs> Minshew. Um, that you know, I just <laughs> didn't even give his team any time at all. You know. He, yeah, what can you say about it? It's, it's, it's it maybe okay, maybe not. Who knows? Um, it's a bit all over the place. His team, lots of risk in it. So Dale, big question for coming out of the draft: Are you going to be taking a sickie next year for the draft as well? 
<laughs> uh, I must say, I I took the day off, and then I actually didn't spend any time because I think I was just like, I'm done. I'm like, I've spent enough time in front of the front of the spreadsheets. <laughs> I've done enough mock drafts now. No one wanted to trade with me. I was trying to get one last sneaky trade in, and um and no one would do it. Um and then actually, you Manny traded me on um on the night, so I was happy to get the last official trade and get that one over Woodsy. Um, but uh. Yeah, no, it was a, it was nice just to relax. Did a bit of gardening during the day. It was, um, you know, it was beautiful weather, and just, you know, got myself really into the right frame of mind. You know, had enough time to plan dinner and get get the perfect meal for the draft. So, um, yeah, no, actually, I, I might do it again. It was, it was, it was a really good idea. So I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> what, what we talked a bit about draft draft night um, dinners on our last podcast. What was your cuisine for the night? I went the burger. I went the, uh, the American staple of the nice, greasy, double double cheeseburger burger. Um, to be fair, I wasn't a huge fan of it. It was a, it was a new, new new place I tried. I can't remember what it's called. But I kept getting ads for them on, on, on my Facebook or whatever. Um, so I finally ordered from there and, yeah, just didn't live up to the hype. So I won't be going back there. Well, that's probably a good way to finish because I think your team's probably one that won't live up to the hype <laughs> this year as well. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining well, us. Well, I think I'm the only one who's generating hype for my team, so if it doesn't live <laughs> up to it, it's my own expectations. <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. We look forward to seeing how you fare week one. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, say hi to you, mate, Candy, for me. And so we're joined by the Ocho Bowl's number one hater of quarterbacks and tight ends, Daniel Havers. How are you going today, Daniel? Uh, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so we'll start off by having a look at, if you could just give us a quick run through your draft strategy, what was your plans coming in and um, how did they differ uh, on the actual day? So first strategy was, contrary to what I've, I told you in my chatting, was actually to take a, a running back first. I'd settled on... Um, I'd, I'd done a few mocks and seen the chat fans that I could get probably Aaron Jones around pick two. I liked him, um, like what he did last year, and I didn't want him as the number one. So I was always going to take who was there with Kamara or um, Zeke. So I really wanted wanted Zeke, uh, obviously, but went went from there. And then from there, it was just take best wide receivers and just fill out depth, leave quarterback. To late, obviously, same with tight end, and probably go and leave without a defense or a kicker. Have, uh, interesting, just to get the expose straight away that you misled the commish with your pre-draft discussions, because he was he was adamant you were taking a wide receiver or thought you were, you were a big chance to. Um, we, we, was it always going to be Jones? Because I had my eye on him with my second pick. I was the pick after you at twenty-two. Um, and he's the guy that I absolutely wanted with the pick 22. You were never wavering? Uh, it, there was people above him, obviously, that sometimes slid, but I didn't think we're going to slide in this league like Eckler would have taken. I would have loved if he was there. Um, Josh Jacobs as well. But if Jones was there, I was was taking him and barring. Um, I had a f- slight feeling that you had missed Julio Jones and that he was going to go for a second there. We didn't snap him off. So I was just hoping that that happened. If that happened, I was taking Julio 100%. Yeah. Well, I was just Kamara Julio would have been a pretty handy start for you. 
yeah, it would. I don't think I could have got much better than that. Um, and so then you ended up with Cook as your number one tight end. Was that was he someone you were targeting or? Uh, I like. It... I like him. I always have. I get sucked in. I had him last year. I had him the year before when he was at the Raiders. It was good. He that does year. be. Yeah. He was good last year too. He was tight end five from no tight end three from week five onwards and missed two weeks. Yeah, I think I drafted him and dropped him at about week three, and he might have picked him up at that point and <laughs> ridden him all the way. I actually wrote in my my notes for your section is cook cooked. Um, so <laughs> it gives you a bit of an idea of what I think about him. Yeah, I just just hope he's got one more year in him. I'm pretty. Um, set on the Saints being a good offense, kind of go, gone that way, and hopefully they can just put up points. Your, your hatred of quarterbacks, uh, talk us through it. Is it did one abuse you as a child, or is there some sort of history to it, or is it is it a strategic, you know, looking at the data type thing for you? It's mostly looking at what you can get. It's the one position you can pick up a starter most weeks off the waiver wire. Um, so it gives you more chance to get people in the draft to, to look at. Uh, this year it could be a bit different with, and especially this year, I wanted to build a lot of depth because at any moment, anyone could go down for a week, getting a COVID test or two weeks and be out. So I thought I'll stick with it. And then as everyone knows, I wasn't happy with what I did. <laughs> so if you have your time again, do you wait later? Yes, 100%. Who, who was the best league quarterback picked up, do you reckon? I like Stafford. I, I really do. I think he throws, he throws a ball around a lot. Before he got injured last year, he was right up there. Um, their running backs could go either way. They've got two great receivers, good tight end. They're just going to throw the ball around. Yeah, I hope you're right. The, uh, the Antonio Brown pick... Was that genius or luck to get the one guy who was eligible for IR? I I, I planned it. I looked. I had the thought going in the draft, middle of the draft. I had there's a big gap in between my picks. So I actually looked up the rules whether or not he was legal throughout the middle of the draft. Found out he was legal and you yeah, snapped him off. And it looks like a lot of people have followed suit now with people picking up, uh, dropping people just to pick someone up to put him straight on IR who are um on the pup list or, or IR already. Are you worried about the, you got to uh, drop someone for a kicker. We've, we've heard some rumors that people are eyeing off some of your lower players already. Are you worried about the player you got to drop for your kicker? I, yes, I am. I would look in the thing that everyone would love in my position, get that two for one trade to trade up. But I have the slight advantage of Kenny sending someone in on the Friday game. So depending if he bombs, I might just leave it and roll without one. He's got, yeah, well, he's got Tyreek Hill Friday. Yeah, that's yep. fair. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a bad way of looking at it. Um, you, I think it was discussed in the, in the post-draft podcast we did that you mentioned you weren't going to take a D and you obviously ended up taking the Vikings and Andrew has suggested that maybe you did that just to try to annoy me because I was the pick after you. Any truth to that? 
That is 100% correct. I had done no D research, nothing. I'll take a defense. You're up next. Vikings D, that'll do. <laughs> that was about four beers in and, and feeling good. I think there was a pretty clear correlation as the draft went on with some picks that people can't really explain or had funny reasons behind them. Like Keeney, the best example was Keeney when we asked him why he took Daniel Jones. He said, I don't know, I was drinking. And he's already <laughs> dropped him to the waivers and changed quarterbacks. And that wasn't like it was the last pick. There was 50 picks to go in the draft when he did that. So it sounds might be it might be another one down to our old friend alcohol. Uh, so Havers, you're the other side of the the first player for player trade this season. So do you want yep. to talk us through your side of the AJ Green trade? Um, yeah, it pretty much really it stemmed from my mispick. I would have been much happier because Murray's the person who I 100% should have taken there. And I would have been happier with where I was. But it also came down to um, eliminating some risk. I had AJ Green who go down at any minute. He's shown that. Um, Kamara was having his fun times with holding out, not holding out, getting a back epidural apparently. Um, Amari Cooper can do whatever he wants and put up no points every single week. And my running backs, like you guys said, could all flip. So it's just sort of... Was sort of eliminating a bit of that risk with one of my top players. Is there another sort of area in your team, a weakness that you you're looking? Because you, you do, as we've talked about, you you do have pretty good depth in the running back and wide receiver positions. But is there another weakness that you're looking to try to trade your way around? Not so much a. a I'd like a one of the top four quarterbacks, but they're going to be hard to get from anyone. It would be more just the little upgrades I can grab. Um, I'm hopeful that maybe it won't happen now, but some of the guys that look like they could flip really establish themselves, like maybe a Howard could really establish himself with Burrito going down or, or getting sick or, or something like that, and then that just puts me in the box seat anyway. So I'm just looking for those little upgrades to try and you know push one guy from you know Tier 2 to a Tier 1, which is very, very hard to do anyway. Biggest strength of your team? Um, the biggest strength would be probably my week one starters. There's a lot of guys that are going to run out there for their teams in week one, give themselves a chance to sort of to go and push forward to establish that um, that position for themselves with their depth, with from my depth. Um, so like Singletree is going to go out there and have a big chance in week one. How it looks like he could be the week one guy. Um, who else we got? Uh, Jackson now looks like he's going to be the only guy in week one. Um, Jones is the week one guy. So it just depends on what they do and, and how things progress from there, I think. Yeah. So with that, you're currently starting Singletree, um, who uh, was your sixth round pick over TY, who was your fifth round. Is that how you're planning to keep the roster at the moment or you uh, haven't really check more into it um i haven't really looked into it my roster changes a bit when i look at making those two for one trades i kind of flip people out to see what the roster would look like without those guys starting at the moment so i haven't really set a set a week one roster to be to be honest yet what did you think of our analysis of your draft we we obviously i think you've talked to us a bit through what you're actually doing we've heard what we are 
I hope you've heard what we what yeah. we surmised. What what was your take on that? Um, I think it was pretty pretty correct. I kind of went along the line I usually go and take a couple of running backs early and and leave the quarterbacks till late. So it was a pretty pretty open book there. But no, it was it was pretty down to earth. You got the team right. You all hated Cook, which I'm hopefully going to prove all of you wrong about. Is there anyone in your team that you think you just loved the pick that you got at that at that place? I like Cooper. I think he can he can do what he wants. They've paid him the money, and I did like AJ Green there, where I had him as well. Um, I obviously traded traded him away, so I couldn't have loved the pick that much. But I think for the upside he gave, both of them give. Um, it's there, and I was able to cover that off with a lot of depth. So. If, if um, Cooper isn't the guy or isn't performing as well, there's, there's depth there to go around. Do you think, do you think Tevin Coleman um, is, did you take him as a goal line guy or do you think that there's still a chance he kind of becomes the guy that everyone thought he might be when he moved across from Atlanta? Cause he, he was Atlanta. He was a bit of everything and he sort of, yeah. They run a bit of a funny running back scheme at San Fran where they share it around a bit anyway. But obviously, Breed has gone this year. Do you think there's a chance he becomes a big part of that offense or is it more just a, you like the guy who gets the goal line? Um, well, there's, he's got skills and it was the fact that he's in the mix already and if one of the others go down, it's going to push his work up with the goal line work. And that's kind of what it is that he... Um, He's got the chance if one of the two ahead of him, if Moser goes down, he'll he'll go up a lot in, in work and, and step up. You you seem to well, you, you seem to know, you know, or as I, I hope everyone does, but you seem to know the players. But you also seem to have been kind of pretty thoughtful around who you're going to take and where. Who across the draft did you think was the worst pick anyone took? Ah, uh, Jackson, Lamar. Too early. <laughs> Too early. There's. And a lot of things you said when got, like guys took Le'Veon Bell and that someone's got to take him at some point. They're always going to get drafted. So it's just when when that point is. And I think Jackson was too high at 16. Yeah. It, it's, I, I play in week one, actually. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's very interesting looking at his team because he's obviously got a fantastic quarterback. But you can almost see it in his team where there's positions missing. Like there's just a guy who's a level beneath where they potentially would have been. So yeah, uh, he'll probably come out and smash me now, but <laughs> yeah, um, but, but uh, yeah, it's a, a few people have commented that, which is interesting. But I think that, I think that goes a lot for what our league is, is a lot of a sit and wait for quarterbacks. So when someone takes one really high, they, that stands out a lot. So, and so where do you weigh in on the, the Dale Cam Cummins guys who took, you know, round five, round six, even Jared took one in round four, those mid tier quarterbacks. Like I know you, you prefer the, the late one. Is that, is that worse in your mind than a guy that takes them in round two or three, the best ones? Or I think, I think this is bad. I think the best one should go round three. In my mind, the top, top two go round three, unless there's a weird, you're in a weird, a weird league that has some weird scoring system. But in the stuff we played, round, round three and maybe one round four and then from there, five onwards, it's not, not too bad. But I think one and two, you shouldn't, shouldn't take the quarterback. 
Would you say if you knew Lamar was going to put up the same points as last year, where would you look at taking him? Yeah, I'd probably probably still go the third. So if you locked in Lamar's points from last year right now, would you have taken him over Golladay if he was still there or would you still take the wide receiver? Uh, I'd take Lamar. Ooh. Yeah. Just, just, just expected you to see it. It's good. It's good. I, I feel like, although you have admitted already that you, you basically threw some red herrings at Andrew pre-draft, so that's probably what you're doing for the rest of the league through this podcast at the moment. I, I do want to clarify that at the time when we were discussing that, that was my plan. <laughs> right. That was my plan to take Thomas. Well, I will also, Cam told me he was 100% taking Julio with um, pick 10, and then he took Hopkins instead. Um, so I think all my intel's just gone and pulled me up the river. I think when you're, when you're taking that intel and you're immediately broadcasting it on a podcast, maybe <laughs> there's your problem. Our listeners deserve the truth. It's, <laughs> I would be off this podcast in a moment if they thought I was still on funny buggers. That's true. That's true. Uh, the, the nine listeners out there definitely do pay our, pay our salaries. Um, okay, so we, we touched on worst pick from other teams. Um, what about the other teams in general outside of your team? Which one do you think is the strongest? Um, who do I have down? I like Cummins' team. The divisive team. Of, yeah, we've, we've had... I hope I'm not giving, giving too much away by saying uh, we've had a number of people say Camo, four people now, including two of the podcast hosts, that Camo's is the best team, and one person say it's the worst. Really? So it's divisive. But it, seems to, it seems to be pretty pleasing to a lot of people. What about worst team? Which one's the worst? I don't, I don't, I don't like Joel's. Is that, is that just a, an age thing or just a poor coaching thing? Or is that contributed to by the fact that half his players have retired or quit since <laughs> being dropped since the draft? Yeah. Well, what do we got here? So, yeah, Fournette's got to learn a whole new offense. Cooks could go down with concussion at any minute. I obviously want most of it to maybe not have the best season for obvious reasons and, and move around. It just <laughs> seems to have a lot of waiting to see maybes. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if one of Henry or Thomas, say, goes down week one and is out for the year, is there any chance? Like, where, where, is there any chance he doesn't finish bottom in your mind? If he loses one of them straight away, um, he could not finish bottom if he makes the right trades. But without someone wanting to sell the farm for the one that doesn't go down, I could. He, he should be bottom. I'm sticking by my 2020 is the year of Joel. Well, I I, I went with being the year of the Haver, so I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with how you've drafted and pretty happy that you uh, you've, you seem pretty happy with your team as well. Yeah, firing that, that one mistake, no. I'm happy. Are you, and I've mentioned in the last podcast, are you now worried that uh, now that you're joining the workforce again, you'll be, your fantasy performance will go back to its normal levels? Uh, the one perk of the job is I get a fortnightly RDO. So fingers crossed we can get that on a Monday and Getting some more football and and cramming the the resource needed. 
So as long as you as long as you play you on your non RDO week, well, that's a easy win for whoever plays you. But then the other week you'll actually put in some effort. Well, it'll probably be the week the uh, the RDO week you have the advantage because that's the time I'm watching the football. So then I get it all. I'm doing my research for the weekend after. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. And then the other one, I was very intrigued to hear that you were over doing a bit of uh, bit of research pre-NFL's training camp season. Um, what did you learn from your time in the States? And, and obviously, the fact that they were locked down in COVID might have interrupted some of the, the rookie mini camps that you had on your itinerary. But what, do you think that gives you an advantage over everyone else this season and anything you learned? Not overly. I learned the situation over there is not great and people are doing whatever they want. <laughs> so it's probably pushed me into more going for some, some depth. I was beaten to the punch a bit, um, mostly by you two with the trade down to get more pick strategy. So I'm, that's something I would have liked to have done, but there wasn't enough of the top picks to go around. Um, so that was that was probably best strategy I've seen going in just to amass more of the, the top level players as opposed to the guys right at the top. And that's what I would have liked to, to have done. I think it looks from where I see it, it looks like you've, you've built a pretty strong team where you've got starters pretty much the whole way through your lineup. Um, so I think if you're looking for depth, that's something that you're, you're trying to achieve. I've always been a big fan, particularly with running backs, of just get starters, even if they're not great. Like I had Peyton Barber a year that he was no good, but I could start him any week. Whereas if you're sitting there with a backup on your roster, it's no good to you unless the guy gets injured. So I think if you if depth was what you're after, I think depth's what you've achieved. Yeah, and then something that'll based on the way I drafted this and draft a lot of things I did would surprise no one. I kind of avoided a couple of the rookies, takes some running backs, especially running backs. Um, pass blocking is often the thing that keeps them out of the lineups um, long-term and with no preseason games, less practices, they're going to have a less time developing that and it could really hinder them. Um, especially with Green Bay, Rogers is there. He's the number one guy. He's old, getting a bit old. They want to keep him more protected. Um, and Tua could could have been starting for, uh, for Miami. So just kind of keep the guys around that know what they're doing and in the lineup more often. Yeah, the, the, the one thing that um, I did thought, think was interesting with your running backs, and you've sort of explained it, so it's probably, it's probably not a super insightful question, but you, you've touched on uh, Latavius Murray, but you didn't really try to get any of the backups, even when they were in a bit of a strange situation. Like when you took Singletree, it wasn't like you went and tried to get Moss straight afterwards either. Um, Howard, Breeder, you, you know, you just took Howard and, and were happy with that. Same with Coleman. Um, you just were happy with the established guys and if one of them loses the job, you just kind of move on. Is that the thinking? Well, yeah, I could, when those guys were there to be taken, I could still take um, starters or some, some decent wide receivers. So that's the go. I was very much go with the established guy. I think there's going to be a lot of flux with positions this year with people getting sick, people getting tested. So there'll be a few uh, spot starts for the weeks. So I just went with, you're right, the established guys and the guys that already had a start and not worried about their direct backups. And so with your last pick, if Cam hadn't taken Larry Fitz, would you have taken him as the Havis special? 
I was annoyed when Cam took him. I did think about it. <laughs> I seem to be. That would have been a Haver special team. Larry Fitz, Jared Cook. It's all I need. All right. Well, I think we probably got the most insightful of our team member interviews so far. So thanks very much for uh, for that, Havers. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. You're welcome. It was uh, great to come in and join you guys. Well, we're joined by the guy that everyone seems to be tipping to take out the Ocho Bowl. And this bloke has never had any shortage of confidence uh, when it comes to Ocho Bowl history, referring to himself as the defending champs for about five years, uh, despite the fact that he wasn't winning it, most of those. Uh, Michael Cummins, welcome to the Ocho Bowl podcast. How are you, mate? Boys, what a privilege and honour. How far has the Ocho Bowl come to have its own podcast? In those it's, early days. It's definitely a, a momentous step. Now, b- before we uh, get into this year, uh, I just wanted to touch on something that we discussed back in the first podcast, which was, and you, you, you referenced the early days, uh, that first year, um, I believe you were the the inaugural winner of the Cash League, the first Ocho Bowl Cash League. And Commissioner Ocho Bowl Joe went, one. That's right. And Commissioner Joe went, Joe the Goose with the cash. <laughs> <laughs> Have you recovered financially? <laughs> I don't No, Probably not. Um, mentally, financially, it, it really has scarred me. Um, it really did. But, you know, it was an eight-man league as well. Have you told the missus no private school due to the financial <laughs> devastation of the early Ocho Bowl? Well, funnily enough, I think Manny finished second that year and I actually promised him the second prize money. And I actually forked it out to him before Joe paid me. And then it was about 12 months later, we discussed that Joe never paid me. And Manny the good man that he is just paid me straight back the second prize money. So it could have been a whole lot worse. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I have fond memories of um, essentially telling myself that it didn't matter that I didn't win that year. Cause the league doesn't count if there's no prize money. Um, I, I think the, for the listeners at home, when we're talking about the financial impact, this has had on you, you're actually dialed in as Olivia Cummins at the moment. So clearly there's oh, only enough money to afford one <laughs> iPad in the family. So um, if, if you need a loan or anything, mate, just uh, maybe have a chat to maybe Dale, Woodsy. I think Fitzy's doing all right with himself these days. Sweet. He's the only trade allowed to work in lockdown. So <laughs> see if we can That's help That's a very out. good point. Yeah, Livy had a ballet lesson online earlier today via Zoom and I've obviously forgot to change the name over. So thanks for letting me know before I dial in 20 work meetings tomorrow. Appreciate that. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, now, tomorrow, we're recording this Wednesday night. Tomorrow's Thursday is Are You OK Day? And I think it's probably a pertinent question to ask you because you've pretty much been missing the entire preseason. You did not do a single trade. You, you just drafted a very quiet, boring team. Um, you, you've been noticeably absent from the banter. Is everything OK? It's a really good question to ask. I do need to be honest here. I probably haven't been uh, my up and about best the last few months. Not, uh, I wasn't as excited by this season as previous years, but now that we're knocking on the door of the season starting in a couple of days' time, I'm excited. I'm back. I'm very, I'm open for business. Send your trade requests now. Every player's <laughs> on the table. Let's get this show going. 
Well, that's good to hear. I, I, I heard a little whisper um, that maybe some of that lack of enthusiasm might have been the result of the fact that you're actually cheating on the league and you might have joined another league in the off-season that's been taking up a bit of your time. Care to comment? Uh, yeah, I could be guilty as charged in that regard. I, I have been a long-time dynasty observer and wanted to dip the toe in the water and I am the proud owner of the San Diego Demons in the dynasty league now, so I must admit that has been taking up a bit of my time. But now that Ocho's here, let, let's be real. That's where it's at. <laughs> well, well, it's good to have you back. Um, did you get a chance to listen to the podcast, given you're, uh, you're spending so much time focusing on the other league? You might not have even bothered to listen to our review of the team, but have you listened to it? I'd be lying if I said I'd listen to it in totality. <laughs> so if you want to give a <laughs> quick little summary for me. It's a reminder to Andrew and Keeney, don't tip the boat to win it that doesn't even bother rocking up and listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, for the bits that you have listened to, uh, what did you think of our summary of your team? Oh, look, I think everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, and whilst I think that you're probably a little over the top, I, I think I've actually drafted quite an entertaining side that I look forward to seeing out on the park each week. And, you know, I just took players at their value. I was in my draft slot the whole way down and uh, I think it went all right. No complaints from me. As you say, you drafted an entertaining team. Is there yep. truth to the fact that Manny said that you were just taking players that you wanted to watch this year or is he telling fibs there? No, no, that's fairly accurate. Yeah, I wanted... Uh, players that I thought might be uh, in primetime games and also in later time slots. So that certainly was part of my, part of my drafting process. Yep, I'm embarrassed to admit. Uh, when, when you say entertaining as well, uh, I didn't quite understand what you had in mind until the revelations about Odell Beckham this week. So <laughs> each, each to their own, but, uh, but it's, it's a type of entertainment. I'm happy to steer clear of if it's all the same. I. I gave up a long time ago banning players based on character. Um, there's no one I wouldn't draft now. It just got too difficult. I'm all about on-field. Well, speaking of on-field, your first pick, you've taken a guy that's never been on a field. Does that uh, worry you at all? Taking a yeah, rookie well, with your first-round draft pick? Yeah, look, I just needed a ticket on that hype train, I think. Um, if everything you're hearing out of draft camp is uh, accurate, look out. Probably could have gone pick one overall, to be fair. So <laughs> cannot wait for Friday, Thursday night, Friday morning, and let's see what he's got. Well, Patrick Mahomes just... personally called up to draft him. So I did the same. Why not? <laughs> Mahomes good for me. First round pick, bring it on. If you listen to the other podcast, you would have heard uh... – Keeney and Andrew both admitting, and I, and I kind of shared that Jared was in the same boat, that they, all of them, were desperate to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And they were all trading picks around that exact spot to try to... Because if you remember, pick eight basically changed hands a couple of times. And they were all in the yep. eight, nine, ten, eleven slot. Um, all, all of whom targeting him. I don't think because you were basically dropped off the face of the earth at that point in time, no one had any inkling that you were after him as well. <laughs> Um, kept my cards close to my chest yeah well it paid off Did is that um, 
Does that make you feel better about the pick or you don't really care much what anyone else thinks? No, I don't care about other people's opinions, to be honest, when it comes to drafting my team. I'm all about my own research, run my own race, pick my players and let's see what happens. The results will speak for themselves. I was, it, it's a risk, but it had to be taken based on who else was available at the time. So on your own evaluations, on one of the few conversations I was able to get out of you pre-draft, uh, where I tried to get pick 18 from you, you said you were uh, staying put because you had a top 18 set in stone. Was there Correct. anyone that was taken in the top 18 that you didn't have in your top 18 or did it sort of go pretty chalk to what you had? No, uh, it went, went fairly standard to what I was expecting. Um, so with my initial pick at pick seven, I wanted CEH, but if he wasn't there, I was tossing up between Tyreek and Josh Jacobs. Um, I had Tyreek higher, but probably wanted to go running back first round. So to, for my first pick to be between CEH and Jacobs to get them both in the first two rounds probably vindicated my decision to stay where I was in that draft order, not trade picks like a madman like everyone else was doing. <laughs> What was the biggest surprise pick for you in the first two rounds or before you pick 18? Was it Lamar? Uh, no, not at all. No, I thought um, Lamar was, wasn't was a bad pick. Um, such high upside and so exciting to watch. That that didn't that wasn't a biggest surprise to me. I, I honestly didn't think there were any surprises in the first 18. It was more after my second pick that a couple of surprises dropped. Um, was there a typo or did James Connor go before Nick Chubb? Did that happen or was that, that a typo? Uh, no <laughs> typo there, but let's, let's discuss that one again at week 15 because I reckon I'm very, very happy with, with who I got there. Um, if, if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear a lengthy explanation of why I did what I did actually. Um, very good. I just, just don't. Yeah. I know Nick Chubb's good, but Kareem Hunt's just a... It's a big worry when you got to share it. Like the, the one thing I'll say for the guys you've taken up top is none of them are under threat for their position at all. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because anyone any good's either dead or has opted out of the season, and Jacobs because that team's just terrible. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, any others other than other than Connor? And, and actually, just before we go into that, I, I don't want to move too far down the draft board because. You got very, very angry when I attempted to take Jacobs at 19. But I kind of remember later on about three times you trying to take players already taken. Is there any public apologies you'd like to make? Yeah, look, I mean, 2020 has been a big year for everyone. And I can safely say that's by far the worst thing that's happened to me this year. By far. <laughs> I've never, ever made a bigger mistake ever in my life, I don't think, um, than doing that. And I now have no credibility going forward and I can't hold anyone else to account. So that, that was a devastating moment. I still can't believe I picked myself back up off the floor to continue drafting. There was a moment where I thought I should just pack it in, leave the meeting, <laughs> auto-draft the rest of the way and pass my team on to someone else. Just back to Lamar for a moment. Um, so with the top eight, if, say, Ben had taken Jacobs there, would you have taken yep. Lamar at 18 since you had him last year as well? Uh, yeah, yep, I would have, for sure. Yeah, Lamar was definitely on my list for 
for 18. Um, and I was tempted to, dr- to move up in the draft to get him, but I just didn't know where I'd need to get to. So I didn't bother drafting or trading picks when I wouldn't, didn't know who was going to be available or not, which is why I was so surprised by all you blokes trading so many picks when you had no idea who was going to be left. But uh, yeah, Lamar definitely would have been pick 18 if he was there for sure. Over Jacobs? Well, if they were both there, would you? Um, if they were both there, I was taking Jacobs. But um, if, ja- yeah, if Jacobs was no longer there, it was Jackson was who I had my eye on. While you were sitting back and laughing at us all trading picks, um, yep. did you did you form a view of who you think the winners and losers were of all that pre-draft trading? Because yeah, like, you I, can't I, work out even. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, absolutely. I you know early doors, I certainly had a, a couple of teams that I thought won out of the trade, and then I just lost track of who was winning, <laughs> who was losing. <laughs> I had no idea who had what pick and or what was going on. So it's. Uh, yeah, I have to say, by the end of it, I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. There were no winners out of that. <laughs> no winners whatsoever. It'd be interesting to see uh, what those picks move, move back to and how many people ended up with their original picks, to be honest. Yeah, Keeney did that a couple of times. I think Woodsy might have as well. Um, yep. I, I, it doesn't surprise me when you say you ended up confused because that's the sort of thing that leads to drafting guys that have already been taken. Um, so, so come on. Just a quick one for you. We, we did talk in the podcast that you didn't listen to at length about um, taking quarterbacks and tight ends, but particularly in your case, quarterback with Kyle Murray in the mid-60s. Uh, so yep. it's your sixth round pick you took him when, as you clearly proved, you could get Carson Wentz in the 12th. Um, if you had your draft again, would you still take a quarterback so high or would you try and take another position there knowing you could get quarterbacks that were of yeah, high quality later on. Yeah, great question. Um, every year I go, there's no point drafting a quarterback early, just wait. But got to the sixth round, and I was just looking and I just thought, there's just no one else here. And the hype around Kyle is so huge. I thought, I just need one ticket on that train um, and see what happens. So, yeah, look, looking back on it, I probably should have passed on him and just picked up whoever else was, was best available. But just no one excited me in that range of the draft. So, I figured I might as well take a punt. And, uh, yeah, Kyler is on my team. And if Carson Wentz was fully healthy, Kyler would be sitting on the bench week one. But uh, going to send him out there against the 49ers and see what he's got. Yeah, fair enough. There's definitely a lot of upside to him. It would be interesting because we've had a few years of a lot of depth at quarterback where guys can score pretty much off the waivers every week. But it doesn't mean it will always be the case. Um, Absolutely. We wouldn't be doing Keeney justice if we didn't uh, talk about the other thing that Keeney was very, very fired up about. Now, there were two things about you that just offend him. The first is he's not a fan of your team names. He just, I think he, the first podcast to direct quote him, come on, sort it out. So <laughs> any comment on your team name. Sounds exactly like Keeney. For this year and whether, whether you're considering in quotation, sorting it out? No, look, I'm very happy with my team name, to be honest. Um, I don't know if Keeney would be aware, but Keenan Allen's nickname is the Slayer. And so my team name is actually devoted to a player in my team, in my squad, unlike Keeney, whose team is named after a player he had 
in your team last year. <laughs> so maybe Keeney could have a good hard look at himself and, you know, hit the edit team name button and fix his own team name before he takes pot shots at me. Lights Kamara action. Give me a spell. It's not even a good team name if he had Kamara. <laughs> and just looking back through some of his other team names. So he watched the league and just took about eight lines out of that for eight years in a row to name his team. Like, come on. Oh, that's a great response. Um, the other thing that Keeney's also got against you, and it's hard to argue with this one, is the, the bloke who runs up to the O-line and falls over, <laughs> Sony Michelle. Can you talk us through that pick? Yeah. Um, there just wasn't anyone else available, and so I had a bit of a throw at the dartboard. Um, it's also a bit of a weakness of myself being in a few different leagues, is I like to hedge my bets and... I've got a couple of shares in other leagues of Damien Harris and thought if he goes down, Sonny Michelle might go okay. So I better uh, better get a share of his in the Ocho Bowl. But uh, let's be honest, he'll probably be on the drop to the waivers after week one or two, I'd say. Yeah, I'm guilty as charged. That was a terrible pick. My one regret in 10 years of drafting in the Ocho Bowl probably. <laughs> You're the first person to just go, no, you know what? You're right. Didn't try to defend it. Just said, no, <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, the, the good news is you've got to drop someone for a kicker. So, Yeah, no, that's that been be done. Go. That's been done. Got your man, Mike Money, well, what's Badgley, it? on board. He's, he's good, as long as he's not too far out because he doesn't have a long leg on him. But no, doesn't he doesn't. Mean. Camo, are you happy that Manny took three players from Atlanta so that um, you're you're not the only person with three players from the same team uh, this year? I am. I am. Um, whenever, although I'm very worried because the last time Manny stacked his team with an entire offense, he went on a complete tear and won the title with uh, was it Mike Vick and the yeah, Philly Eagles back in the day? Eagles, yep, Jeremy yep. Macklin and. Deshaun That's Jackson and I, when I was talking about it the other week, <laughs> I don't even remember who else the other wide receiver was. Yeah, I had Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, I had Shady McCoy, I had the kicker, <laughs> I think I had the defense. And they were the yeah, highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL. It's sometimes you've you've got to be ahead of the game and uh you know, some of us were just Friends. a bit of a savant like in our draft. Friends of the game. Yeah, I can't see that happening with Atlanta this year, but all the best to you. To be fair, I probably can't see that happening with the Chargers either. And as Andrew pointed out, I've got three of them. So who am I to judge? We were pretty happy. Well, not happy uh, for ourselves, but we thought your pick of Madison at 103 was a very good one. I think half the league was very keen to get him. Um, he's about as good a handcuff, or he is the best handcuff probably. Maybe Latavius Murray is the other one, but best handcuff in the league plus there was contract holdout talks going on with Cook at the time. Um, how happy were you to get him and were you considering taking him even earlier at any point? Yeah, I was. I was. So he was probably one of my favourite picks in the draft. Um, you know, I mean, what was the Delvin Cook owner doing? Seriously. I don't know who drafted <laughs> Delvin Cook, but my God. Once again, 
We can answer that one for you. That was Dale. Um, and I, I, we'd say listen to the podcast, but we know you won't. So <laughs> we'll just tell you what he said when we asked him that question. Oh, so cool. Said, Thank you. Oh, to be honest with you, I didn't actually think of that. <laughs> Wasn't really thinking about handcuffs. Come on, Dale. <laughs> but you, 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 weren't, you weren't competing with Dale, as it turns out, but you definitely were competing with me and I think Keeney and perhaps Andrew and a couple of others. So no, spot on. You needed to. Well, Madison's on the trade table if uh, if anyone wants him. So feel free to hit me up via a message and we can chat. I, I, I would definitely, but I don't have any current charges on my team. So I'm not sure you're <laughs> going to be interested in any of my players. We will see. Was was he the the best pick or your, your, your thing you're most happy with out of the draft or was it someone else? Um. Uh, look, I suppose Jacobs in the second round is probably more luck than best pick sort of thing. Like, it just the fact was he was available, so I took him. But, yeah, Madison um, probably was my favourite favorite pick of the draft, I would say. Um, just looking through. Um, also, uh, was a bit of a fan of uh, Henry Ruggs later on. I think he could have a bit of an explosive rookie season. Um, so th- they'd be the two I would call out. Okay, yeah, are you high on rugs or you just think he's going to have some good highlights to keep you entertained? Yeah, no, I'm pretty high on him. I think he's going to get a lot of uh, lot of volume there in, in Las Vegas. Get used to saying that this year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th- they're definitely the two, Madison and Ruggs. They're my two favourites. You, you uh, you've taken a few rookies, which is sort of an interesting. Well, uh, not interesting because a lot of us take rookies, but Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Zach Boss. Uh, you, you've touched on rugs. Um, are you concerned? Given there's been no preseason, there's been no there was no real rookie training camp that there normally is. They just haven't had like there was a bit of training camp. I don't think they're even there. Are you worried about having those guys when it's a year that? It's not sort of they don't get a proper run at it like a normal rookie year would. Yeah, for sure. So the aim was mainly to take rookies later, just because I think they'll come good in the second half of the year. Um, the only difference being Ceh, and that's just purely um, as you guys mentioned earlier. There's no one else there in Kansas City, and Mahomes wants him so bad. So I was happy to take him early, but apart from that, I didn't really want rookies until they were depth. Like I didn't, I don't want to be starting any rookies before about week seven or eight if I can help it. Um, but come the second half of the year, I think they'll come into their own. So that that was uh, my thinking around that. And the same could be said for less experienced players as well, like Jacobs and, and Murray as well. Um, they'll get better as the season wears on. And I'll just back myself in to make playoffs, and that's when I need those guys to perform. So could be a little shaky earlier on in the year, but hopefully finish off strong. No point being the best team in uh, October. It's all that uh, December. That's that's something that Andrew knows well. Um, having these amazing teams <laughs> that just fall over before the playoffs, and I guess averaging one hundred and fifty-seven during the year, and then failing to perform when it matters. That's right. We don't, we we don't count points scored during the season. We count rings in this league. Um, and it's fair to say, uh, it's, uh, even though I'm I'm probably the one that's a bit low on your team this year, your your record's pretty good. You make the playoffs most most years, so. You can probably afford to have that. Um, who was your Thanks, worst Manny. pick? That's quite a quite a compliment coming from yourself. 
Um, my worst pick, I think we've probably already touched on here um, with Sonny <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> um, I don't think that. I don't think we need to, you know, continue with that. That speaks for itself. Um, are you are you worried? You've only got four receive, wide receivers. Now I know three of them have took, taken in your first five picks, and they're pretty good ones. Yep. Um, yep. And, and we've obviously talked about rugs, but does that concern you? No depth at that position. A little bit. Um, I just look at because I've got those three starters. There's no one I'm like in the later rounds that I was going to draft that I was ever going to start ahead of the three of them. So I figured there was no if I was going to be weak at any position as far as depth goes, it was going to be wide receiver. Um, and then even looking at the waiver wire now, there's so many options there and they'll open up even more options as the season goes on. So I feel if you're going to be short on depth at one position, it's definitely wide receiver for sure. So yeah, not a, not a big concern. Um, obviously if anything happens to those top three guys, then I'll need to hit the waivers and, and rectify, but there's plenty of options there. So I'm not phased by that. And then, it's interesting. We talked in the preview. Sorry, I'll just do a pause and say it again. <laughs> it's interesting. We talked in the preview podcasts about um, yourself having the four wide receivers, Andrew having four wide receivers being very low. Um, there's a lot of teams. Keeney, Ben, uh, both have seven. Uh, there's there's a fair few teams. Havers has seven as well. Cam has six. Uh, Reese is six. Yeah, there's a. Everyone's gone very wide receiver heavy, which is interesting this year because it sounds like you've looked at the complete opposite way and said, "Well, the, the depth means I'm just not going to have them on my roster. I'll just pick them up yeah. when I need them, rather than having guys sitting there who you know you can bring in anytime." Very true, and I think one of the hardest things in fantasy, as as we all know, you got six good receivers. You got to pick only two or three that can play for you each week. How often have we played a bloke that scores three while someone on our bench scores forty three? Happens every week. Pull your hair out. There's uh, no need for that. I'll just start the three guys who I know are gonna gonna score and save myself the headache. You can take that velocity to the extreme and basically just drop everyone from your team except the starters. <laughs> yeah, no lineup decisions. Just throwing it out. Very there. true. Well, I'll no, leave that right. for you to test that. If you're that you test that theory for us, Manny, please, and report back. Let us know how you go. We'll see how we go with that one. I've got, I've got two empty positions. I don't even have enough to fill a full roster. It just didn't take a kicker or a defense. I see RB2's an empty spot at the minute as well. I think your lineup <laughs> would look better if you started Devonta Freeman over Melvin Gordon. I think uh, <laughs> I think that's why I took Tariq uh, Tari Cohen as an insurance pick because you just get your 10 points out of him. You can start him if you have to. On the competition um have you spent much time looking at everyone else's teams and when you look around the league outside of yourself who do you think's got the strongest lineup yeah um so yeah i have had a quick skim through everyone's team just mainly to see if there are any weaknesses i could exploit with a, a potential have a look at a trade that could possibly go through but i think this year i have to admit all 12 lineups looking pretty strong across the board um, a couple stood out to me, though. One being Keeney's team. Um, I think that's probably the side with the highest upside in the comp. Um, he's got a lot of players that could just explode every week. Um, so he'd be my top pick. 
And another couple of teams I, I like just based on having pretty good balanced lineups overall and good depth would be Reese and Havers. Um, they were two teams that, that caught my eye. I could keep going. Um, Jared and Dale both drafted players and teams that I really like. Um, the three of us, I feel each year probably do our research on similar sites and um, they're probably the, the teams that stand out. Andrew's team as well, I like. Um, he's, he took a couple of players that I was hope, like choosing between at my pick, um, mainly in the third round. I was going between Odell Beckham or Gurley. He obviously got Gurley a couple of picks after me. And then the next round, I wanted Mark Andrews and uh, Andrew took him right in front of me. So I got stuck with Woodsy's man, Juju. So they're, they're the teams that I'm liking so far. So that's pretty much the six playoff teams I've named. <laughs> so, well, you, given you, uh, you haven't counted your own team as well, you haven't left a lot for this next question, but what's the worst team in your opinion? No one stood out as the, as the worst team. I just think this year it's, there's going to be so many injuries and COVID-related um, you know, players missing games that, yeah, I'm not going to name a, a worst team because it's going to be all down to the luck of the injuries um, that will dictate that. So no team stand out. I think everyone did a pretty good job on draft night. Very diplomatic answer from a guy who doesn't trade, so he doesn't <laughs> need to keep anyone in his good books. Um, and you're right about luck because uh, Fitzy's sitting at home with his uh, head with a towel over it, over a bucket of boiling water, just trying to get some get some steam in to calm himself down after the luck he's had since draft day with half his roster disappearing on him. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, where do you weigh in on the where do you weigh in on the kicker debate? Do, do you bother uh, yes. drafting one? And equally with defenses, do you think there's value in defense? There's been a bit of debate on this already in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So kickers, I I didn't draft on the night, um, but then I realised I probably wouldn't have time to do the research leading up to week one, so I just quickly um, added a kicker after the the season. But yeah. Kickers offer no value. I'd get rid of them. Defense, um, I think, is a bit more tactical. You can choose defenses um, for year long that should score well or week to week. So, yeah, I would vote to get rid of kickers and, and keep D defenses. So that's where I sit when it comes to that. But, playing uh, Jared round one, are you going to be keeping an eye out to try and see if you can pick up all the kickers to dog him? I feel like and, it's going to happen at least one time this year. Try and kick block him. Yeah. Cock block him. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Respect your opposition. Happy for Jared to go about it whichever way he wants to. And I'll just focus on my team and my squad and hopefully getting off to a winning start, which hasn't happened for, I think it'd be like five or six years since I've won round one. So see how we go this year. I think your your sounds like your slow starts aren't just on the fantasy field. Yeah, seem to start a lot of questions with a pretty diplomatic answer, and by the end you've wound up and you're whacking someone. So, I, I'm given you didn't answer the worst team question before. I'm going to hit you with this one before we finish up. Okay, go for if it. We had to kick someone out of the league. Who would it be? You. 
Oh. <laughs> Fair call. All right. Well, I need to explain myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to add a bit more, mate. I, I would have thought it's very self-explanatory, but now go for it. Now nah, that's it. Good time to end. <laughs> let's let's not forget. You're the one that brought me in all the way back at the start as well. So we never forget that. If I if you probably cost myself out. three three premierships by doing that, could have been a five-time winner. Yeah, there's there's not too many three-time winners going around. I'll say that. <laughs> Um, well, I've never won no, one five, in a 12 team comp, so that's my aim <laughs> is to win one in a 12 team Ocho league. Yeah, you're sort of like the Collingwood of the Ocho, where you won all your premierships back when there was no one in the, in the competition yet. Um, yeah, but they still correct. count. So absolutely, that's, that's what it's all about. And I think we did work out you have had the the highest average finishing position across the history of the league over your time. So. You'll undoubtedly be in the mix again this year. Um, if you listen to what the other people in the league are saying, yeah, you're probably the one to beat. So thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. Good luck for the season ahead. And uh, hopefully before we get to about week two or three, you can squeeze a few more charges into your lineup. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm sure you're doing great work and hopefully I'll be able to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. And so now we're joined by the league's number one boyfriend, Ben Colagrande. <laughs> How you going today, Ben? Good boys. Uh, cheers for that. It's, uh, I feel like it's pretty fitting. I did uh, do the draft on uh, Fiona's birthday. She wasn't super happy about that. Locked up at her house, smashed some Indian food, and then said, oh, i got to bail upstairs to do the draft. So uh, it was all right. It was, we got a pretty good view of the Indian food. What, what were you eating? Um, some, uh, potato, it was like potato and, um, cottage cheese type deal. It was all right. Mm. Well, the part I tasted anyway, kind of smashed it down pretty quick because it arrived about five minutes before the draft started. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's, it's probably the first Indian dining we've seen before a draft and, um, remains to be seen whether it's a winning formula for you. Oh, look, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. So just to kick things off. What did you think of our... Have you listened, first of all? And if you have, what did you think of our rating of your team? Absolutely. Look, I think it was a bit harsh. Um, not going <laughs> to lie. I, expect, I expected that. Um, bit of a naysayers, I think. But uh, look, the proof will be in the pudding, boys. And uh, when I take the, uh, take the chip this year, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to let you boys know. Like, I, I will let it be known. I'm not going to let this one slide. Don't you worry. So the, the, the biggest criticism, oh, well, there's a few, but the bigger one was probably Lamar Jackson at 16 being too early. Do you, do you just flat out deny that? Reckon it was a, just a genius move or Absolutely. were you? Yeah. Absolutely. I think the stats last year speak for themselves. Um, absolute beast. Like he'd, he'd have been a good running back, let alone a, a quarterback. Um, and I don't think it was a, really well-kept secret that I was gunning for him. Um, I wanted him on the Patriots, yet alone in my fantasy team. So, uh, he, he was, he was going to be mine come hell or high water. If I had to take him with the, my first, the pick in the first round, he was going to be mine. If, if wow. I caught a sniff of anyone else hunting, he was going to be mine. Were, were you nervous when picks 13, 14, 15 were going, that someone was just going to sweep in? 
Um, I was. Um, for a while, after the, the trade with Andrew, I had convinced myself that he was trying to pull a shifty and it absolutely <laughs> do me in. Um, he, he was under no... Uh, no, uh, it was very clear that had he have screwed me over, I was going to be breaking legs. Like it was, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking knees, take my boy from me. Did I you didn't really see think that. of picking? Uh, I, I thought about it just, I, I didn't have him ranked there, but I nearly thought of it just because it would be pretty hilarious. But uh, I was true to my word. I got to, I got to have someone in my trading. That's the old spite pick. We, we were, we were, kind of in one of the earlier, I think it was in this episode, so um, you wouldn't have heard it yet, but we were sort of questioning Andrew if he knew that you were taking Lamar, why he traded to go before your picks because you were taking a guy he didn't want anyway. He may as well let you go first, but he, uh, I don't know, he seems to have some sort of weird misguided sense of fair play or something, which clearly is not welcome in this league. Well, I just really wanted Joe Mixon and or Sand- I wanted one of uh, Mixon or Sanders. I wasn't sure if someone was going to jump me on them. So um, that's why I moved up. Well, we'll find out in a few days' time whether Lamar's worth the hype. Um, so, so take us through your strategy. when you were. Was there a strategy or was it just get Lamar operation? Um, get Lamar. That was, that was bullet point number one. Um, I also tried this year for the first time in quite a long time. Um, Doing the draft clean, um, no booze, no weed, nothing. It was a, it's a first for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> bit of an odd experience because uh, <laughs> I remembered all my picks. Uh, normally, that's not really a thing that happens beyond the picks. I would maybe make it work when we were doing it remotely. So, so, um, so normal years, you'd just wake up the next morning and be like, right, let's see who I got. Sort of yeah. bit excited. Let's, oh, wow. I took him in the 12th round. Like, geez, six kickers. What was I thinking? There's, there's been some times where you, uh, you're on the, the wacky tobacco and you just you, you get a vibe from someone. You're like, no, nah, he's mine. I love him. Um, that's how you end up in a team with all wookie wide receivers that don't do anything. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's high upside, I guess. You, you went running backs early, um, three of your first five picks and obviously Lamar. And then you got some pretty good value, it's fair to say, wide receivers in the middle. Was that a plan going in or was it a bit of a, like, I'm just going to take who's best when it gets to me? Um, the, the receivers, I didn't actually get, like, um, I w- didn't get most of the guys I was looking for. Um, DJ Shark is, is someone I had my eye on. Um, but for the most part, receivers, I'll just take who's there, best available. Um, it was really get some running backs early, but it was like everything was built around Lamar. It was, he's the linchpin of everything. And then we were just going to sort of see whatever, see how everything else went. The, um, you guys being the, the snakes that you are, snagged a bunch of the receivers I was really looking for. I wanted CD Lamb and Jerry Judy so bad. Uh, but in, in a quick succession, they were gone. You probably should have learned your lesson about rookie wide receivers in the past. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing that they didn't slip to you. Although you took Nikhil Harry, I see. I, I look. I got to back my boy. Um, we need somebody to throw to that's not Julian Edelman. So, uh, are you nervous that you've not taken enough Patriots? Look, yes, as as always. I uh, trust in Bill. All trust in Bill. But um, look, as someone who's coming into the season hoping for tank for Trevor, 
Like if I played my boy <laughs> with my boys, oh, I'd never shut up. I'd be well, the like, I'm worse than I am now. The shit talking well, would be unbearable. Um, the word is Camo is uh, from Camo is that Sony Michelle is very available if you um, willing to pony up for him. Would not pay me enough. What's <laughs> the reason that we do not have Lamar Jackson on the Patriots? I will never forgive him for that. And that is <laughs> till the day I die, I will be on this hill. There's there's not been a lot of love for Sony Michelle across the the four episodes so far. It's probably fair to say. Um, is it is it traitorous for you to take the Bills D as division rivals? Well, or are you no. thinking we're tanking all year, so I'm just going to get a team that gets to beat up on us twice? Yeah, look, and this, I don't think anyone else in our division is going to be good. The Jets are the Jets. Yeah, uh, the Dolphins are the Dolphins. They'll, they'll be good when they feel like being good, which is basically just when we play them at home. Um, beyond that, they'll just be a, a dumpster fire. And I don't know what we're trying to do. We're just plugging in Cam Newton into an offense that doesn't really seem suited for his skill set. So that could be an absolute travesty as well. So I'm look after this AFL season with Collingwood, I'm fully prepared for just another football season of disappointment. Like <laughs> I can't be any more sadder than I am now. We, we, we try to keep to one sport, but uh, what was your... The, the early in the season steel side bottom incident um, compare that to some of the NFL off-field misdemeanors going on at the moment. How does it rank? Oh, get off it, mate. Come on now. It wasn't that bad. Look, after the Bucks issue, like Bucks out there playing tennis, I don't think uh, Steel's one's all that bad considering. And then we've got the, uh, the, 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 stack, the stack issue at the strip clubs, getting into punch-ons over some kebabs. Like, comparatively, I think we've come out all right. And considering we're Collingwood, that's pretty good. A team that's had like... Um, like we've had Alan Didak and Dane Swan in the past. So if the worst we True. get rid of is a couple <laughs> slaps on the wrists, I think we're all right. Yeah, you can imagine the Rat Pack from back in the day if they were in the hub and in Gold Coast. There probably would have been some, some dramas going on. They've um, been fighting but... the strippers, mate. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> would have been the strippers. Um, the, we, we commented on your wide receivers being quite high-risk guys. Like Marvin Jones Jr. is one of those dudes that puts up 30, but he has a few games where he puts up five. Um, Marquise Brown's probably a little bit the same. You've obviously got a few guys that can start though. How do you approach your wide receivers this year in terms of picking who to start on a week? And are you feeling comfortable at that position? Um, yeah, look, Marvin Jones Jr. is, I've probably put him and taken him out of the lineup half a dozen times at this point uh, over Crowder, just he, he could do so much, um, but he could also just goose egg. Um, but look, anyone who's seen my drafts in the past know that I love a boom or bust receiver. Um, my love affair with Sammy Watkins continues to this day, uh, even though he's not in my lineup. It's just, it pains me that I don't have him, um, but <laughs> just, you've got to go big. Um, I think I've really got to swing for the fence with these guys and hope they hit. Um, but look, I'm, I'm relatively happy. Um, I feel like with enough, if Crowder can actually get some looks, um, he should hopefully be the, the sort of the, the steadying influence on the rest of the team. Um, while Brown and uh, Jones can just sort of break out as a, when they feel like it, hopefully alternating when they're not sitting on the bench. Yeah, it is, it is good having a guy like Crowder, uh, particularly being a full point PPR 
because he just he does get thrown the ball a fair bit. And Chark should be that this year as well. You think the Jags will be behind a fair bit. So you might have a couple of just solid racking up the numbers guys there. Um, what's the strongest part of your team? Oh, it goes out saying it's quarterback. Um, although running back, if uh, Kenyon Drake can actually, and Kenyon Drake and Johnson can stay healthy, I feel like running back could actually be a sneaky, uh, sneaky bet there. I, I wasn't hoping... I w- well, I was hoping, I wasn't uh, predicting Johnson was going to stag the, the 20 points he did today, which is quite nice. But, uh, you know, he's uh, up and about, apparently. Yeah. Whether he can stay up is the real question, but see how we go. Well, it was a pretty good start. And for, for those listening, uh, we're recording this one Friday night, our time. So uh, we've, we've had the season open today. And he did look pretty good running around out there. And given I'm playing you this week, I was paying very close attention to every one of those runs he broke. Um, what about the weakness of your team? Uh, it's look tight end. Jack Doyle could, he now has a quarterback who loves dumping off to a tight end. So maybe that could work out well for me, but if it goes bad in classic Jack Doyle style, it's going to go all the way bad and I'm going to end up with a steady stream of tight ends pulling me in two points a game. You wouldn't say it's the team name being Kelsey Clinton, despite the fact that you haven't had Travis Kelsey for four years. Look, I think we're, look, we've been through this, mate. I tried to change it to raise white suit because they disappear, but it just didn't work for me. So that's why my picture is now a photo of Ray Lewis. My team name doesn't match up. I will get around to changing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, on Doyle, we, we talked about that one. I really like Doyle. Like, I picked that late. I agree. There's upside to him. And it's worst case, you've wasted your 14th round on him. You just waver a guy who's... There'll be one or two good guys on the waivers. Um, I was just wanting Noah Fant like an absolute demon. Um, he, he was my pick. If I couldn't get Kelsey or Kittle, which I wasn't going to be taking a, uh, a tight end high enough to, to pick those guys up, I just wanted Noah Fant. I think he's going to be the uh, star tight end this year. Were you ever tempted to start with Lamar and, say, Kelsey? Just go bang, bang, straw Abs- up the absolutely. two? It uh, it absolutely crossed my mind. Um, that would have been a that would have been a real move. That that would have been bigger than Fitzy pick five pick six. I reckon if you if you'd done that, but it gets pretty hard drafting after that point, I guess. Yeah, and and then the the running back situation gets significantly worse. And as everyone knows, running backs, it's uh once you get through that first sort of crop, it really becomes a, becomes a real crapshoot. So it's uh I thought it best to shore that up as best I could. Yeah. Yeah, I think just looking at the board and had you done that, David Johnson, obviously, you still could have got him with your third pick. But after that, it's like Kareem Hunt, Ingram, Mostert, Gurley. Yeah, that's that's literally all that's left. Like, or you go like a Le'Veon Bell or you, then you start getting into the speculative rookies and stuff. So hmm. would have been interesting, though. Would, would have made draft night exciting for everybody because we've talked with others and it's quite clear there are a host of us who are all hoping to get Kelsey or Kittle, either one of them, at around the 20 mark. So if you'd gone early, it would have it would have made things very interesting. Look, if it makes you feel any better, I'll make sure that next year I am off my tits. I'm <laughs> next level gone. I'll, I will draft at the end of a four-day bender. How about that? Really mix it up. It's what? Why not? I, I mean, we can only assume that's what Fitzy was doing. Or he's like... <laughs> He's, 
got concussed earlier in the day and he's woken up thinking it's 10 years ago and he's drafted a team of players that was actually playing back then because there's no other explanation. Um, but yeah, it, it, it would be good because all we keep hearing from the Camos and the Andrews is that they like the same guys and they like this. Oh, I wish you got that guy and you pit me for that guy. It's good to have a bit of diversity. Yeah, so look- Ben, um, I criticised you for uh, your falling in love with players. Uh, so have you been working on that during the off-seasons, taking candy from babies, trying to be a bit more cold-hearted? Absolutely not, mate. A- absolutely not. It's, uh, the, look, the heart wants what the heart wants. And the, uh, the, the guys that I like, I will take and I'll stick with them. It's, um, it's, it's hard for me not to draft players I still love. Like I see Garoppolo sitting there and I just want give me that Jimmy G action. Just... <laughs> Be that beautiful man. Um, no, that's it's look, it's it's the way that I draft, it's the way that I am, and uh, those boys I like will always be in my heart and on my team. What uh, we, we, we've talked a little bit about your team. Um, if you look across at the competitions across the league, what do you think is the strongest team apart from your own? So, I had a look. Um, I think Andrew actually has a really good team. Um, trust me, and it pains me to say this because he will not shut up about this from this point on. Um, I think he's probably got the, the strongest team in my eyes. Um, just bringing it up now whenever it decides to load. Does it concern you about his team that he's drafted three tight ends? Uh, yeah, I've only got two on the roster now. Yeah, well, you could drop one a week and you'd still have one by week three. That's the what happens when you draft three of them. Look, I'll be picking up Chris Herndon after he goes off again. I'll be spending all my free agent money. If you could drop TJ Hawkinson, that'd be nice. I'll, uh, I wouldn't hate you for that. But, I uh, have to drop him in another league today, actually. Get a defense. No, look, I, I definitely would say Andrew is, the, is probably the, the strongest team. Uh, I don't mind Reese's, Reese's actually. Um, Heaney's are not too high on. That's uh, that's <laughs> that's funny you should say that because when you hear this episode, you'll hear that you're not alone. There's a few people <laughs> the exact same view as you. Um, what did you think of Reese taking Chubb and Hunt with two of his first four picks? I, I appreciate the balls a bit. Um, absolutely. Uh, I'm sensing a, a man who also knows what he wants and uh, really wants to to get his guys, and and that's something I can. I can absolutely get behind. Um, boom or bust. It's the way to go. If, if you're unsure, just swing for the fences and see what happens. Would you also say you're pro because of your un or unresolved love for the Cleveland Browns? Yes. Um, I do have that Cleveland Browns hat still somewhere back when they were shit. Um, I, I will always have a, a soft spot in my heart for them. Uh, although so it has waned a bit in the uh, last few years with the, the hype. Um, though them still being bad made me kind of happy. So speaking of the Cleveland Browns, what's the worst team in Ocho? Look, it's hard. Look, I love you, Fitzy, but it's hard to go past. Right? <laughs> right? I'm sorry. He's just, I don't know. What are you doing? He's just texted me a minute ago saying, am I going to get this episode of Cobra Kai in? It's got 36 minutes to go. Because he's he's a couple down the agenda tonight, so he's clearly his head's in his own, as always. <laughs> Classic Fitzy. That, that being said, again to go back, 
to, to Keeney. Um, come on, mate. Like, you do this for a job. What are you doing? Like, what is this? I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, how many flags GWS won? Let's be honest. He, he went to Sydney. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, he went to Sydney, Sydney now. And, and, uh, that hasn't gone too well, has it? Yeah, I guess they're a dominant <laughs> powerhouse in the AFL right now. So, uh, look, I don't think we should be surprised at this point. But um, I just hope he's better at his day job, to be honest with you. I think the, the best thing you can say about Keeney's team is that he drafted it two weeks ago. Because when you look at the running backs and the fact that none of them are starters... Doesn't doesn't look too great on paper, but in fairness, there was there was a couple of um, you know still competitions or discussions going around which one which guys would get the nod back at that point. Um, unless you know something that we don't, like unless there is some some uh, some weird like statistician uh, inside track that he's on that, that we don't have, but somehow I doubt it. Well, yeah, I think that we we worked out that. He, he's dropped half his team already since the draft, so probably not. But, uh, but I guess it's, the point is all that matters at the end of the day, so we'll find out. Any, anyone else in the league that you want to give a clip to before we wrap up? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually really disappointed that Keeney's not here because um, I had a whole thing planned. It was, I got a bit of it out there and just letting him know that he's, he hopes he's better at his day job. But like, <laughs> after the, the drubbing that I got, like, I expected it from Andrew, absolutely saw it coming from him from you come on manny like it's i expected it again you're uh you're a man who loves a loves a bit of chatter um keeny though like oh unnecessarily savage i thought um just like you've, you've admittedly i haven't won so maybe i should be talking but come on mate you won once like, like ease, up, <laughs> yeah. ease up you're not you're not in the pantheon yet no it's fair if um if if he was here what would you say to him what of the material have we not got through? Oh, look, the, the the most of it was going to be asking him, what's he like? What do you want? Like, come on, mate! Like, you've uh, your team is shambles. You're uh, and he's just out there talking trash. It's uh, absolutely uncalled for. Uh, I look forward to our matchup because I will be talking a mess of shit. <laughs> well, we look forward to it as well. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast, and we look forward to getting you back. Hopefully, we'll try and time it so it's the week that you're playing Keeney, and we can really. Uh... He's worth really looking forward to it. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. Next up, we're joined by uh, the Ocho Bowls resident ladies man, Reese. How are you today, Reese? I'm doing pretty well. That's good uh... to hear. Um, and so, uh, we'll start. The big question that everyone wants to know is. Tell us your logic behind Hunt and Chubb. Everywhere, that's Hunt what everyone's Chubb. asking. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Chubb and Hunt together in correct order. Uh, well, I think with, with Chubb, I just saw the best RB available. Um, wasn't even, like, thinking of planning. I had an original plan, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but then when it came around to what Hunt was there, I thought it'd be great to get the whole of the Browns backfield all sewed up, not knowing what's going to happen, um, as well as having a good flex option in particular weeks. Maybe not this week when they're playing the Ravens, but in some other weeks he'll be a good uh, flex option. 
So you talked about one of the two being your flex. Obviously, you can do that because you've got big Christian McCaffrey. Did you watch the Marble League and just assume that you've got the season sewed up with victory as soon as you got pick one? Uh, definitely not. Uh, I feel like I had even more pressure uh, when that final... Uh, what was it? I think at one point I wasn't even going to have the top pick uh, in the final marathon of the Marble League and then just came from nowhere... Uh, I think, what was it, Dale's Marble decided to just have a little breather or something and let me roll into number one. Um, But, yeah, I feel like there's a lot more pressure and a lot more thinking going into the pick outside of number one because you're always on that turn having to worry about are you going to get that guy, is is he going to last until he's coming back to you which uh, was a lot of my thinking for a lot of my picks that I know you guys said I went a bit early on some people, but yeah. And then was it always CMC pick one? Were you ever taking any of the others? Uh, always CMC. That's Did it. you consider I mean, trading pick one at any stage? Uh, not the number one pick. No, definitely not. Dale... Dale uh, what offered up number two for my second and third round. Um, but he didn't feel like he was going to get enough value, no matter like what the second thing that I gave up was going to be. Ah, so so he offered he offered you, but then Paul, but then didn't go through it himself. Yep, <laughs> sounds pretty uh. Pretty typical Dale, just has no idea what he's doing. You mentioned you went early on a couple of guys because you weren't sure if they were last. Um, when you got to the end of the draft, is there anyone you look back at and you went, uh, probably should have waited? Uh, you guys had that criticism of it, but um, a little bit of Ertz. Probably could have got some other value there. Um but overall, I'm kind of happy. It's kind of falling into place with how the Eagles receiving core is going. So might work out. And what was, uh, what was your take on our review overall of your team? Uh, pretty good. Um, there are a few things that obviously like I had thought about differently than what you guys had thought about. Uh, like mentioning how... like. In particular, one I went early on was Robert Woods Um, because I really wanted Robert Woods this year, but he was, I didn't think he would last till 48, like no way. So I had to take him at 30. Um, Obviously, we already talked about Hunt and Chubb and everyone's favourite draft pick, or Manny's favourite draft pick, Hunter Renfro. Um, My thinking was... After pick, like after my ninth round pick, I just went high upside. And on the high side, he will probably be the wide receiver one in Vegas because he's got that history. Like there's no threat of Mariota really coming in now. Um, And there's obviously a couple of rookies there. Uh, Williams is out for what the season so, yeah, I was thinking 
he'd probably be the wide receiver one. I was going to accuse you of just pressing the wrong button, but given we were doing a live draft, it's like, I can't even do that. So, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's good to hear. I must admit, I, I don't I actually like Hunter Enfo as a player. I just had him so far down my, on the ranking board I was using. I found it quite humorous. Yeah, well, I guess also I hadn't picked up like any quarterbacks or anything yet. So I was still drafting like wide receivers, running backs at that point. And then we mentioned you taking Slayton and Sheffield. Was that a deliberate or were they just the best uh, two players on the board? Uh, I took Slayton deliberately, but then later on Shepard fell down to me and I thought probably a good option because he's a pretty big target hog. So it could be, could like drop one of them eventually if, one's not performing or could be a week-by-week play depending on who's having good weeks. Were you, were you pretty happy giving waited so long on quarterback to get Cam Newton? Uh, I was actually going to take Tom Brady um, and then he got taken about three or four picks before I took uh, Cam Newton. But, uh, yeah, I am pretty happy about taking Newton. He's got plenty of upside there. And if he doesn't work out, he's well, he's got Miami this week. But if he doesn't work out, uh, easy drop and pick up one. I didn't lose much value. I heard a rumour that, you, I mean, you've got a lot of tattoos that if Cam Newton takes you to the championship, that you were getting a <laughs> Superman tattoo on the chest. Is that true? What, uh, just a Superman or just like Cam, like ripping a, sh- a shirt apart well, and having it? <laughs> It's your tattoo. I mean, I didn't make up this rumour. It's just what I heard. I don't know. Could there be a bet there? (laughs) I feel like the two of you should have some sort of wager where Reese gets a Superman tattoo or Andrew gets Cam Newton tattooed somewhere on his body. If I'm getting a tattoo of anyone, it's going to be of Chris Andrew. There is a there is a, a little guy by the name of Ocho Cinco that is probably screaming out to have someone <laughs> tattoo his name or a picture of him on his body. What was the biggest strength of your team, did you think, Reese? Uh in three letters, CMC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also, I also feel like I have a few good players who can fall into some good spots. Um depending on like their teams, like Gallup could have a very big year depending on Amari Cooper. If he's like getting double covered every week, there's Gallup, like easy points, especially in PPR. Um, and obviously Cam Newton, I feel like could be a strength, but it could also be a weakness. Still wait and see. You, you've done a pretty good job of complementing CMC with, some reasonable depth at running back too because Gibson's obviously landed in a pretty favourable position and we've talked about the Browns guys. So one of the you have been one of the teams that most of the guys have had on have referenced you as one of the main contenders, um, some of which just put it down to CMC and others talking through the whole roster. So the, the consensus seems to be that you've, you've drafted a pretty balanced team. Well, speaking of Gibson, I am actually in a toss-up whether to put him in my flex this week. 
Oh. I've got Edelman probably there, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like Gibson could have a good week. It's always risky with, uh, well, it's just risky with the Washington football team. I can't even keep their name, let alone keep their running backs on the list. So precarious position to be to be starting any of them. But there's big upside because someone's got to do the work. Well, we've already had a pretty big risk play today by someone playing Randall Cobb. Paid off, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Those garbage time catches he took. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the biggest weakness of your team? My wide receivers aren't clear top wide receivers. Like even Robert Woods, who I've got big hopes for this year, is still like he's competing with a couple of other guys that are good receivers on his team. I guess the positive is that the Rams don't have like a big name back anymore. So there's no uh, no back stealing all the targets like Gurley seemed to do a lot last year, uh, which was good for me because I had Gurley. Um, but yeah, hopefully that works out. Uh, other than that, most of my wide receivers are pretty... It's going to be a bit of a, a bit of confusion over who to play each week because uh, they're all so-so. I'll, get, I'll say that. Have you spent much time looking at the competition across the league? And do you have a side that stands out to you aside from your own as the, uh, the strongest? I did have a little look. I think there's a few pretty top teams but for me the strongest is actually Havers and that's just based solely on how strong his running backs are um, he's also got some good depth at wide receiver but mate like I valued running backs so highly this year because I feel like there was such a shortage on top tier ones as well as the fact that um, a lot of teams are probably going to lean on their running game, as we saw today with Kansas City, um, because there's a lot less. Uh, there's been a lot less connections made with less preseason games and different circumstances. But yeah, I think Havers has that really strong running back team um, that sh- should carry him pretty well. And I have him when I have a lot of players on by, so he's probably been gifted. A win right there. There's a freebie. It'll be CMC versus Haver's whole team, basically. (laughs) (laughs) CMC will probably Uh, still win it for you. How will you feel if CMC goes down with the knee week one? Is it season over? Uh, Hopefully not. It's obviously a massive impact because uh, obviously the best player in the league, but you could... um, I feel like I've got the depth to cover to bring myself back to being com- competitive. But yeah, like him going down is just such a huge threat to any any chance I have this year. As someone who's taken a player pick one and then had them injured in week one, it is just an uphill struggle for the whole year. Yeah, well, I feel like... Um, Whoever took, was it Ben took Saquon last year? And he sat out lots of time. 
um, which really, like, not that the rest of his side really helped him, <laughs> but, um, like, Saquon being out for so long just ruined his side. So there is always, obviously, that uh, possibility. Well, let's hope that that doesn't happen. This will be the year for the soft tissue injuries, though, so keep your eye out. What about the worst team outside of your own? Uh, Assuming you're not picking your own as first, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just put that in there just in case. Like, I'd rather say the weakest team rather than the worst because I feel like it's hard to tell. We've only seen one game so far. Uh, but I think the weakest would probably be, based on my value of running backs, uh, Keeney. Uh, his his first three running backs that he picked were all running backs that are going to be in committees so I think there was like Philip Lindsay DeAndre Swift and I can't remember who else I want to, I want to look at it J.K. Dobbins was the other one which is even yeah, worse yeah. I reckon he's fourth on the depth chart they reckon <laughs> and Swift's also had Peterson come in so he literally got Arguably, a couple of guys that are third or fourth on their death chart as his first two picks. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought that was probably the weakest team. Um, but everyone's obviously pretty even so far. We're all um, we're all at the same standpoint of not having seen what's going on, what's going to happen yet. And just finally, you were one of the only people to take a D and a kicker quite yep. uh, traditional of you there was, was there any statement in that Were you trying to sort of make a bit of a case for bring back the old fashioned drafting or was that just, you wanted to fill out your lineup and, and uh, couldn't be bothered doing some wavering later on. Uh, yeah, it was basically, I had open what the best matchups for kickers and defenses were. Uh, for the first four weeks of the season and just took two of them um, so I don't have to worry about it for the first few weeks unless something goes wrong. Uh, it's what I did last year with the Pats. I just looked up and they had like the easiest schedule for a defence to start the season uh, and that worked out well for me. So, you uh, traded them, didn't you? No, uh, I probably should have. I think um, I think Woodsy offered me juju for the Pat's defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been the best trade ever if you'd if you'd done it. Because uh, it was how many weeks? Was it like four or five, six weeks maybe, and then it just fell off a cliff. Uh, it was at least halfway through. Okay. And that, yeah, they were smashing it. I think yeah, their I think low was the... point was like eleven points. Yeah, I think the, the first, first nine weeks they played teams that didn't make the playoffs and then they play good teams after that and they sort of dropped down. When, to... when they hit uh, Baltimore, that was when like, they all started to drop off. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure they put up 30 or 29 against me early in the year when I was playing you. Yeah, yeah. So I've got very, very fond memories of that. Was there anyone you wanted to have a quick cheapie at before we let you go? I'd say no. You're not even going to have a go at Camo because he took more charges than you? 
Well, I dropped the only charger I had in the end. I I dropped Josh Kelly um, to pick up Robinson from the Jags. Um, I will say I keep getting trade offers from Jared, but I feel like everyone probably is if he's just trying to get rid of Carryon Johnson and Stefan Diggs in <laughs> as many ways as possible. I haven't had a single one from Jared. I think he, he might think we're going to out him on the podcast. So he's just put up the shutters when it comes to training with, well, certainly with me. I, I will say I have thought about it, but it, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any value for players yet. Uh, a bit like how, what was it? The kettle for... Kettle for Kittle. Uh, Kelsey for Kittle that's just been going on and on. Uh, it's getting a bit old, isn't it? <laughs> it was it was trying mid game today, and I'm pretty sure we're locked out. That's the desperation of Woodsy. Well, I think we might leave it there then. Thanks for joining us, Reese. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, let me have a little rebuttal, especially about Hunter Renfro. I would say good luck this week, but I don't want you to have any luck this week. May the best team win that has CMC on it. <laughs> well, now we're joined by the guy that I've tipped to throw away this year in the HO Bowl. Uh, Jared McCluskey, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It was a big deal was made about your racing car chair on, on draft night. <laughs> Do you think that gives you an extra edge? Um. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't take um, any of the really speedy guys on the in the game, so I didn't take Hill or Breeder or anyone. But um, I guess maybe it added a dimension to my drafting. Well, I did we we interviewed Ben just before this, and I was pretty sure he was in some sort of racing chair as well. So I reckon you might be rubbing off on a few of the other league members who. You want to make sure they <laughs> aren't giving away a competitive advantage. Uh, well, Ben's chair is a not a racing chair. It's a bright pink gaming chair. Um, so he's gone a different tactic to give him an edge. <laughs> bright pink, eh? Yeah. Fair enough. What was your take on our analysis of your team? Uh, I thought it was pretty good to be honest. Um, it was very accurate. Uh, I did really want Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the first pick, as I, you know, let everyone know with my reactions. Um, and then today I had to watch him just have a nice little first game in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I, I always normally go running back heavy, so it was very, I felt very uncomfortable with some of my early decisions but I couldn't really pass up um, some of the value I thought was there Um, so when Godwin was there I mean I guess similar to when you saw Julio Jones there still with your pick I saw Godwin and went oh no I'll have to pick him Um, I had Godwin third yeah he's my third receiver so uh I was fairly sure I was going to go two running backs at 23 and 26. I didn't anticipate uh, just the the massive run on running backs early. 
And then given you had Godwin, so you took him. So I'm guessing that meant you had Adams second, Godwin third on your wide receiver yeah. ranks, presumably. Yep. Yeah, well, I had God, Godwin and Julio pretty much neck and neck. Uh, so, so you obviously took Carson with your 26 pick and then you took a quarterback with Prescott. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've made a big deal on this podcast about whether or not people would take the, pod, the quarterbacks early again, knowing how late they went. Um, are you happy with that pick? Uh, well, I guess hindsight, seeing the run that happened in the 70s, um, probably could have waited, but I really wanted Dak. So, uh, yeah, it was it was difficult. I, I don't have Dak. I, I sort of have him right up there. The first three I had pretty much on top of each other. Um, so I knew that I'd be able to get Dak if I wanted him. So it was a little bit early. If I had a pick at pick 50 or something, I'd feel more comfortable with it. But um, I think a few of the picks later after Dak um, were good value. So it kind of offset the, maybe the reach. Were you targeting there specifically or was it just, you, you sort Dak. of got to that point? Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, it, it was based on what running backs were there. So, um, when I when I saw saw a lot of those running backs fly off the board, and like once um, Dale took Taylor, I was like, "Well, I'm probably going to take Dak." Um, and the only other one was Andrews, but obviously he went. Uh, so yeah, um, it was probably out of Andrews and Dak. What, what uh, pick? If you look back at your draft, what pick are you happiest with? Uh, Montgomery. I think I have him higher than most. Montgomery. Yeah. I thought there was a, a decent chance he'd be gone by then. I think the groin injury is the only reason why I got him. I think he, I mean, I'd take him over Bell. And that's why when Bell was coming towards me, I was going, oh, geez, I hope he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I guess so. if, if you look at that part of the drafts, he was the only one probably who's a clear starter for their team who was left at that point. Yeah. I guess the other thing is, I mean, uh, I know that you took Tariq Cohen, but I don't rate Tariq Cohen at all. So that's the other reason why I like Montgomery. It's as much volume um, as it is, uh, me not trusting Tariq Cohen. I think he had a lot of drops last season. I just don't see them using him as much. Especially with um, uh, with their wide receivers that have got coming along. Um, What's yeah. the and weakest then Ingram, part of your team? I was happy with, oh, running back, for sure. I mean, most people would have had a trade offer from me by now. <laughs> <laughs> have you offered a trade... Um, for anything besides uh, Diggs, Diggs and Kerryon Johnson? Uh, Diggs, Kerryon, I've offered McKinnon, but I, no one rates McKinnon as highly as I do, <laughs> I don't think so. I think I offered McKinnon to Dale because he goes to the 49ers. But <laughs> if I, McKinnon came one, out and put up 22 points week one, 
Would you trade him or would you go, hang on, I might be onto something here? I like, obviously I'm going to watch that game being a Niners fan. Um, I just don't, I sort of see him getting a lot of time in the backfield, um, especially with the injuries at wide receiver. And I remember when he went to San Fran a couple of years ago, having the conversation with you where I was saying that he's not a running back, like one running back. He's no play. He's only good at the the down stuff, but it's, but it's interesting because it's sort of a couple of years removed now. So who knows what he is anymore? I think he's like James White, but he can actually, probably offer a little bit more on the ground in terms of like some of the creative stuff they do is like sweeps and some of the stuff towards the outside. Like they really wanted him, the coaching staff and they paid him way too much money for what he was. Uh, so I still think they're going to use him. And the other three backs that San Fran have are exactly the same player, you know, whichever yeah. one, whichever one's playing better on the day, but they're just one cut, see the hole, run straight through it, put your head down. You touched on what you were trying to do and obviously end up doing something completely different. What Talk us through your strategy going into the draft. Um, well, I like running backs early. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I quite like like Andrew's team, for example, Dale's team. Um, so I wanted uh, – it was running back or wide receiver first. And then it was running back or wide receiver second, whichever one I didn't take. So taking Adams would have meant running back. Um, but I, there was no one from that sort of second tier left. Like I was hoping that Jacobs or um, I don't know, any of those guys in that tier. I mean, it would have been hard for Eckler to get to me, but um, you Jones. Had, you had Chubb I, I was there. almost positive Jones would have got there. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Chubb. Connor. I would have taken Connor over Carson. Yeah. So you got criticised for taking Connor early, but he wouldn't <laughs> have been there. <laughs> We've discovered everybody would have. Everyone was doing this. Reason they criticised him was because they were thinking they wanted him, but just a bit later, uh, a bit like I did. I see. Yeah. The right call taking him. Where I did. Yeah, I sort of just. I don't know. I'd. I, I don't know why, but I didn't anticipate the run on running backs. It went the early running backs. That was a huge run. And then those mid tier guys, the value guys, like when Swift and Dobbins and Moss and stuff like were flying off the board way above their draft position, their average draft positions. I was like, sort of hoping to get a couple of those guys, uh, but yeah, all I got really was Monton reached for Harris. So pick eight, how close were you taking um, like, uh, Davin Cook with the next off the board? No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I had him last year. I mean, it's just the holdout talks. I hate that, you know? Yeah. It's too much uncertainty. You want to be really sure with your first pick. Um, I was pretty close, but... Yeah. You can't get more reliable than Adams, probably. It was just moving up from 11 to 8 meant that I was certain to get one. Like, I had a top nine, you know? Obviously, I felt that was like a, there's a bit of a gap there. Some Everyone has it differently, but I sort of had basically up until Dalvin Cook. 
and then the next the next year sort of started for me. So when I got the offer to go up to eight, I took it. So knowing that you wouldn't get C eight, would you still have made the trade now with the time <laughs> I don't know. I like knowing now, like I'm pretty sure Adams would have slept uh, would have slipped just based on how hard everyone went at running back. Like would you have taken him? No. Okay. And you had pick thirteen. And fourteen. And fourteen. <laughs> um, so who would have had so Keeney would have been in there? Keeney might have. Because he Cam took Tyreek. Although him. I found out of today of Keeney. I found out today of Keeney he's got Tyreek Hill in four leagues. Maybe he would have yeah. taken Tyreek Hill anyway. Sounds yeah. like he likes that guy. Yeah. It's definitely a high risk team because he's it's a high risk. Keeney's team's a high risk team because, yeah, a bit like yours, he's very, very wobbly at running back. The difference is, you've got a couple of starters. He's got none in their own team. Yeah, well, I think um, just as I I was waiting, uh, I clicked on Montgomery and he did a full practice today. So now I've got two proper running backs. I reckon that two startable because <laughs> I was going to have to start carry on, and I probably wasn't going to start him. I probably would have started McKinnon, but. Um, I think carry on would have been fine before they picked up AP. Like he yeah, would have been the starter, but then now they've got AP. It's who knows what's going to happen there. I even think, I even think he's fine week one because AP's been there like five days. I think so they're early, surely not going to give him some touches. Well, I was sure that the first three or four weeks carry on was going to get the most touches, and I was just going to deal with it after that. See what happens. So when he was still there, I obviously needed it starter because I, I thought Mont wasn't going to be there and I reached on Harris so I had to go for someone and carry on was carry on was there I would have rather taken Breeder but he didn't make it so mm, yeah I, I was the same I like both of those guys didn't yeah. get either because um, oh, I was just behind you so I think I, I that's where I took Pollard and um, just to hope for a bit of luck that Cam's See, it goes down. If you look at the other teams, who's the strongest? I think I like Keeney's team if he hits on one of them. It looks like Lindsay's going to get more of a share than it than, than on draft day, it seems like. I don't know if he saw that. Yeah. I think Lindsay, analysis, he's going to be first and second down, but then he's not going to... He's not great. Well, he wasn't great last year catching the passes, and he's not going to be the end zone runner so in PPR he's not getting any of the value touches but yeah like, I suppose yeah. but pick 80 you're still getting a guy who's going to get 15 touches yeah well I think he's in a similar position to me he kind of needs to get through the start of the season with his running backs and then like if, if he hits on Rager or Deontay Johnson or someone goes off he's got good trade bait there and there is some teams stacked with Players, you know, like, I mean, Havers has got a, a team full of depth. So you could try to trade with him like I did today and got nowhere. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? I offered him, obviously, Diggs and carry on. No, I offered him Diggs for, um, I offered him, uh, where is his team? I offered him Diggs Howard? for... No, it was, oh, jeez. It's not a team. 
yeah, James White and Miller because he has to drop someone. So I figured I'd just offer him for his depth. But then he started talking about Godwin and (laughs) 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 he's notoriously difficult to trade with because he's going to want to found. Yeah, he wanted Godwin, but I don't think he's going to offer me, I don't know, any stop end talent. So, yeah, um, I quite liked uh, your draft strategy, Manny. Uh, I think it was, uh, well, your your strategy leading into the draft where you, you were the first one to move <laughs> on the pick and obviously just set the league off and copycat teams came thick and fast. Um and then uh, you didn't take a kicker or a defense. So I, I think in terms of the best draft day, I think I had you as the best team. Because who needs kickers, really? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Although it looks like week one, I'm going to need one based on how my game is going so far. So yeah, that might be I mean, we were, already. you kind of have to pick one up, but especially now with the uh, count back for... It's percentage, is it, or is it points for? Adds uh, total points total scored points. is the tiebreaker. Total points scored. Okay, so th- that's the big sort of difference. Is it gets pretty crowded up the top. Yeah. And if you're going into four or five yeah, weeks, six or seven points kicker, a week, you know you're going to lose. Yeah, you know you're going to lose, so you don't take a kicker. But yeah. that's all. Well, because I, I often, it's for me, it's more if I know I'm going to win, I don't take a kicker. But it almost cost me last year because my points four were very low. In fact, there were weeks where I didn't even start a defense as well. And as it turned out, I, I got in with enough wins. But had I been one win less, I would have missed on countback. So I think I've learned my lesson from that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, What's the weakest? Well, I'm going to go for the team I don't like because I've got a feeling everyone's picking the same team there. So. I've got the draft board up, but I don't know what people's name, team's name is. So I've got Larry's dump truck. Uh, that's Cam, I believe. That's Cam's team. Yeah. Ooh. Nothing against Cam. Wow. I just thought nobody would have gone here. So the only reason is, I guess, I just don't like any of the players on his team other than Debo Samuel, obviously. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, well, he took Zeke off me. So I'm still running the wrong team name, but <laughs> uh, that's another topic. Um, no, I mean, he, he took Rojo and then got some bad luck there. Um, and then I'm not really big on Hopkins. You can go hard at him. He's not going to listen to this anyway, so okay. you don't have to fear reprisal. <laughs> when we went through Cam's team originally, we sort of worked out that there was a very clear path to him having no running backs because if Zeke went down, Ingram lost the battle with um, JK Dobbins and Ronald Jones either lost the role or they did something like bring in uh, Leonard Fournette, which was being discussed (laughs) at the time because he just left. And of course that then went on to happen. So he's now down to two. Um, Ingram looks like he's got the starting position for a while, but, He's still one injury away from being very wobbly at running back. Yeah, he also sort of got lucky in the touchdown department and 
he doesn't really get that many touches to begin with. So if he cut into his touches, then, yeah. No, that's, well, I mean, I, uh, Miko Hardman is just hot garbage. Um, I don't know about Dylan, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> He's got Larry Fitzgerald for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, he took a kicker. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyone that picked a kicker. I think he might have taken Larry Fitz for team name purposes. Yeah, well, yeah. Is there a jersey kicking around for that one too? Or... Uh, no, well, I'm sure we could get one. Yeah. No, I like Debo. So if I took Debo off him, then he'd have nothing. I do have a soft <laughs> spot for Darren Waller as well because I don't know. I, I watched... Um, Big fan of hard knocks, and so that's why I picked him at the start of last season off the waivers. I think before the season started. Um, yeah, so I mean, what was everyone going after Fitzy for that? Or... This year's it was pretty, it was pretty crap, really. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit average. Is yeah, it was a bit serious. I think it's going to be hard to be as good with all the stuff that's going on over there with COVID and Black Lives Matter. So, you know, it's not entertaining, really. Just watch them get stuff stuck up their yeah. nose and, and <laughs> not practice. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah. And also, I just, yeah, just lack of characters on that show this year. Last year, last, last year was great. Obviously, Gruden's a great character, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's hard splitting it with two teams because it's just yeah, not true. much time yeah. to really get to know people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they couldn't focus on some of those roster battles as well, I guess, which is part of the... They, you know, they make you really like some of those players and then they get cut. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely no preseason's had a lot of impact this year. Um, and it's it's interesting, even looking at the teams, we're talking about depth and depth's probably going to be more important than it's ever been. So the COVID byline will be a pretty big part of this, how the season goes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously uh, teams with weaknesses like running back. <laughs> Got to worry about that. Definitely. Or if you, yeah, you know, you're getting all your points from two players. Um, it's got to, be a bit of a worry too yeah well i guess we'll we'll find out and uh we'll we'll see how your team stacks up when your f- season formally starts on monday morning <laughs> yeah yeah i took the day off so i'll be up bright and early i'm sure did you oh you just go to work tired don't you steve yeah i i love the early part of the year particularly because i could just watch all the games before work even starts or at least the early and late games. Yeah. So very much looking forward to Sunday night. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Cheers. You've, you've definitely been the odd one out on a few of your predictions. Probably fair to say. Um, okay. We'll let you discover exactly <laughs> which ones we're referring to when you listen to the podcast, but you've, you've got some unique takes, which we love. So thanks for joining us. And we look forward to speaking to you later on in the year. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Well, it's probably the moment that all of the listeners have been waiting for. 
we've managed to uh, convince him to come out of his his bunker uh, during lockdown to come talk to us. Um, of course, we welcome the infamous Fitzy, the uh, Mr. 4.4, as he's been referred to many a time on this podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Fitzy. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'd just like to say uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> We're not quite technical enough to have the capability for anyone to call in, so you're a first-time caller of anyone we've had, full stop. Um. Before we jump into this year in your team, uh, I think it's probably fair to say you've copped it more than anyone else in the, in the long history of this podcast for some of your previous performances over the journey, which um, it's fair to say being nothing short of deplorable. How do you see your history in, in the Ocho League so far? And uh, is it something you're ashamed of or do you think you're being misrepresented? Um. So basically my first year, I almost made playoffs uh, since then. And then the year after that, I, uh, I finished dead last with one win. That was great. Uh, but <laughs> there was a period there, which weirdly everyone's teams must've, you know, got themselves G'd up being like, Oh, we've got Fitzy this week. Cause everyone would play ridiculous. Like numbers were stupid. Like I had, like I always had an average team at best, and everyone would have their highest scoring week against me, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, like this is ridiculous. But you know, it is what it is. As long as I'm, you know, not at the bottom every year, that's all good. So, I mean, I've only actually finished on the bottom twice. So that's. Uh, it's got at, at the moment now, unfortunately, seeing as though he's left the league, uh, I'm tied with Pete, so he'll uh, he'll never <laughs> beat me on that. But uh, yeah, it seems me and me and Ben like to have our own little frittata bowl down the bottom there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, on this year, you obviously set tongues wagging with the first big trade of trading back into the first round. So you had picks five and six. That was a trade with me. Um, how how were you thinking about the draft pre-draft in order to do that trade? And what was your strategy, I guess, more broadly for the draft going in? Uh, this may shock no one, being as though I missed a 4.4, but I've never done any draft strategy whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it's literally been... NFL.com sheets and crossing off players as they go and then ignoring players if I don't like them. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not signing up for websites buying, you know, draft by numbers kits or any of that. Um, it's literally just, yeah, I'm winging it. So, yeah. So you're not a subscriber so, to the Woodsy type philosophy of forking out hundreds of dollars for these fancy subscriptions. Well, don't get me wrong. I, I like, you know, if I had to pick a team that I'd be back in, I'd back Woodsy because I've played fantasy basketball with him and that, and it it will be eating at him that he still hasn't won a title here. Like, so he, he's done everything. All the stops are out. Like, the, the year we did fantasy basketball with him, like, he had Jeremy Lin when he caught fire. Like, just, he was all over it. I drafted Meta World Peace. 
So you, you've, you've, you've gone in with no strategy, but you were happy to do the big trades to get right. yourself five, six, 25, and then not a lot else in the top end of the draft. What was the rationale there? Honestly, uh, yeah, you came to me with that trade and I just thought, you know what, let's, let's mix it up. Like drafting normally has, I think normally I've done the camo, haven't bothered draft, uh, trading picks or anything. So I thought, oh well, let's uh, let's shake it up. So, you know, it was it, you know, to start with, I'm like, oh yeah, cool, cool, and the same way in the review, like you guys kind of went like, oh, oh you know, fifty, oh, oh, oh. and then by the end, it it sort of was like, you know, he he kind of got some players there though, so he he could salvage this, like, so I mean, you know, drafting Fournette and him getting cut like two days later is great. <laughs> but I think him going to Tampa is at least an upgrade for him. AP at Detroit definitely, I don't think, is an upgrade. So, How uh, are you feeling four days after the draft when two of your players have been cut? Uh, the four net was, was, you know, like, yeah, we've got, I've got Jags fans who are friends and they're like, yeah, we weren't expecting that, just cut. What? So them claiming they didn't even get offered a sixth round pick for him, like that's that's ridiculous. Like, you know, he he is a consistent player, and that's why I like drafting him. I think I've had him about three times because yeah, he does at least put up consistent numbers. Who are you, when you had five and six, who are you hoping to get pre-draft? So I I definitely thought I was going to end up with Thomas with one of them because I didn't think he was going before five or six. Um, receiver wise, uh, and then you know, running back wise, it it was honestly you know, whoever was going to be there was going to be there. Um, McCaffrey was going to go one, Barkley two, and then you know, as it fell after that, that that's where I was going. So, you know, like what, you know, Kamara, Zeke, well, like, yeah, so Henry was the guy to pick. So, you know, like that's where I went. I, I had. Did you consider Clyde Edwards Hilaire at all? Uh, not. Because half come on and said they absolutely loved him and they were obsessed, <laughs> desperate to get him. And the other half were like, nah, why would you take a rookie? Uh, not that early. Like, I mean, he wasn't going to drop out of the first round. Someone was going to take a flyer on him. And that, you know, I mean, it, he's, he's probably going to end up being that player. Like, it's, you know, it's make or break. Like, he either is going to justify that first round pick, which off today's score so far, yes. Or, you know, he, it's going to be like, well, you know, maybe that second year he's going to, going to hit the ground running. But yeah, no, at the moment, yeah, definitely looks, uh, looks a good. So with people trading up to try and get him, did anyone offer you anything for five or six? Or once you got those picks, were you just going to stay put there? Once I got those picks, I didn't actually get any offers that high up. I think I may have had a bit of action at maybe 25, maybe. Um, it wasn't really after that. I didn't get much. I mean, I had, you know, Woodsy offering everything because Woodsy was offering everything to everyone. Um, but, yeah, it, it was essentially, you know, as Kenny explained last time, like, yeah, we're going to swap 80 and 95 for 81 and 94. So... And then I had yourself offer me a pick, and I think uh, 
I, I, I uh, drove a hard bargain there. You offered 98 and I talked you down to 97. So. <laughs> Shrewd negotiating. <laughs> so, were you, yeah, but no. But. Were you nervous going into the draft? Obviously, you had these two amazing picks, but then you had very little else in the top kind of 70. Were you nervous that you pretty much were going to pick your two good players and then you were going to have to try and take flyers for the rest of, you know, find the rest of your starting positions? Knowing, knowing what I was going to be getting at five and six and then, you know, even still 25 is still really good. I thought, okay, I can get three really good players, set myself up and then hopefully be able to tread water enough till I, I do get picks and, actually there's still some decent players there like I did get you know there was a few few players that you know I, I was you know hoping were still there when I was there and you know went a couple of picks before me but like overall for the most part I was happy with with my team um I yeah I mean if I had to say anything I'd probably say I'm weak at receiver which seems a bit weird when you draft a receiver at pick six but yeah, I'd, we'll have to see how, how the guys I've got go there. I mean, Havers did also expose the loophole of putting a suspended player on reserve. So as soon as news was that Josh Gordon was going to get signed, I snapped him up. So he's just lurking there. <laughs> Cause, uh, well, he's at least got a chance to play this year. AB, I don't know he's going to play this year, really. No, there's no no guarantees or, or kind of no real glimmer at the moment. Um, you, you mentioned before we <clears throat> came on the air that you we were sort of getting stuck into you about um, about starting Randall Cobb and his four point three, and you are uh, you you helpfully pointed out that you were going to start Cooks and he scored four, um, which is definitely you know it's a numbers game, but is it do you find it weird that you've taken Cooks with your fifth round pick and then not started him? Yes and no. The problem was this week he he didn't practice he didn't practice one day and he was limited practice two of the days coming off a quad. So I didn't think he was going to be getting a big workload. So and the way it kind of seemed it, it was sort of going to be you know wide receiver by committee which. Yeah, it really wasn't. Fuller mainly got got the grabs there, so but oh well. Four point three is better than four, so <laughs> it sure is. And and you, you it's fair to say you've drafted a very old team. Um, but there, yeah. I, I I am gonna say there there's uh there definitely is a little bit of the old school raz to that, you know. By the end it's players I do know. <laughs> um, but at at the same time, like I know Gronk was a pick that was, you know, very much maligned. But honestly, I don't think Tom is getting his boy out of retirement not to throw him the ball. So that was my thinking there. I mean, you know, he he's, uh, he's had to give up the uh, highly prestigious 24-7 title. So he's coming back <laughs> for uh, for some scores. So Not coming yeah. back to pass block, you reckon? No. No, no, that was never his game to start with. Um, Aaron Rodgers, like obviously you, you love your boy from Green Bay, but is he still got it? 
I've actually got like throw away ten bucks on him at MVP because as soon as they drafted a QB and he was like, you could see he cracked it. I'm like, you know what? This could be like absolute like f you to everyone in the front office. I'm gonna just come out and destroy it. So like, I mean, he he's always consistent and he was the next best QB available because Breeze went just before him. I thought so anyway. Um, so I, yeah, where I got him, like I didn't, I didn't draft like I normally do. Cause generally I draft to get a, a full lineup first and then add the bits in after that. And yeah, uh, very much listening to this made it clear. Yeah, that's dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you think now that he's broken up with Danica Patrick, it'll put a fire under him? Well, I mean, you know what? We had Olivia Munn come out and, what, without naming names, say he was basically a dud root, and then Danica's <laughs> dropped him. So, you know, maybe maybe he's, uh, he's a bit angry and just wants to, uh, you know, get that revenge season happening. That's fair. Let's see the return of the old discount double check. <laughs> um, and... and- I, I made fun of the fact that Andrew's just written the name so strangely on the draft sheet. Um, <laughs> did you, do you take umbrage with that or, or you don't care if he just well, wayward not, presses caps lock whenever he feels like it? Not really. Cause I mean, I, I took players like that. Like everyone knows who Gronk is and then, you know, Greg <laughs> the leg like, yeah. So it was, it was fairly, you know, I, I could work it out. And to be fair, I think I've managed to spell all his players' names correctly, which is pretty good, I think. <laughs> I was impressed uh, impressed with the whole uh, the cutting and pasting as picks were trading, you know, keeping all the formulas the whole way through the draft. That was, uh, that was the commission on top of it. Well, I got pretty good at doing it from every two hours getting another trade and having to fix up the draft board. What, what's your favourite pick that you made? Um... I thought getting, yeah, Mostert, as you guys said, you know, last time, um, you know, what, in the 60s, I thought that was pretty good, him him hanging out till there. And and we obviously, we pasted you and a few other people for 12th round kickers and 12th round defences. You waited till the 13th. Was that just despite us or was that uh, you just want to go to the 12th so you thought you'd just do it in the 13th instead? Um, oh, it was sort of, there was, I was going to definitely hold out longer than normal, but I think there was a little mini run that started. So it was like, nah, I better get in on this because if I'm not going to be as deep, you know, because I missed all those sort of, you know, picks from 25 all the way through to 60, whatever I had, then, yeah, I'd need to at least have key players at, you know, sort of every position yeah, I mean, I, I play a position myself that can uh, easily get replaced <laughs> when you play seven on seven. So, got to give love to all the boys. So, defences and kickers, I, I need to have. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, if you look at the other teams, who's got the strongest team outside of yourself, do you think? Probably straight off the draft. I think Camo's team looked really good. Um Again, I just think I think he's just going to do whatever it takes to get it over the line this year. So I think Woodsy's a massive threat. 
And uh, yeah, he's definitely now got a reason to stay up late and you know be seeing the games with the uh, with the bubs. So yeah, he could be all over it. We, we we did some analysis back when we did the pre the preview of the season, and basically since becoming a father, Camo's performance has dropped dramatically. Do you think that the parental curse might hit Woodsy as well? I don't know. I mean, he has uh, he has invested in this season, so. He has, uh, he's got that going for him. But, uh, I mean, yourself, you haven't really had a, a drop. And I think Raz, with actually knowing more about NFL, has gotten better as a father. So, <laughs> yeah, no more, no more David Akers. No, J- Jared's sort of not got any worse since having Lola either. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, maybe Camo just doesn't have the commitment. His priorities are all wrong. Just needs to make some more trades. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what about the worst team? I didn't. I didn't really. I, I didn't see a worse team. Like honestly, the way we all draft, like this this league now, like it, it's really funny when you try and talk with other people in other leagues. Because you see some people and they have stacked teams, and it's like, who who are you who are you drafting against? Because like, how do you end up with all of that? Like, how many guys are in the league? And they're like, oh, there's twelve. And it's like, are you serious? Like, at every every team here seems to have good players for the most part. Like, it's not like there's someone you look at and it's like, well, yeah, you're you're not going to score anything. So, yeah. If you had to pick one, every, everyone was happy to point the finger at you. So there's got to be someone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I, uh, I like battling it out with him down the bottom. So let's just say Ben without even Ooh. looking at his team. Oh, grudge match coming. <laughs> I like I yeah, play on if the there's one person. Field. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a, the on and off field rivalry. If, that's, um, that's it. if you could beat one team just to feel good about it, who would it be? I don't think in eight years of doing this, I've beaten you. So that'd be all right. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah, like, let, let's go small goals and try and at least, you know, beat everyone before le- being like, yeah, right, let's win it. Do the old Brett Favre beat every team, which Brady, I'm guessing, will probably do at some point if he if he hangs around long enough to play. The other thing that we talked about when we were previewing you and your team was that you, you clearly brought Pete into the league who was just the the salad dweller and then he left the league and it's, he's kind of left you holding the bucket. Um, if you had to kick someone out of the league today, who would it be? Let's say you can bring Pete back in, but someone's <laughs> got to go. Who are you kicking out? If if anything, it would probably end up being me, wouldn't it? Like... <laughs> you can't kick yourself out. <laughs> Like, we need the entry fees, like. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it, if it was based on results, you know, four point four is not, you know, really getting it done. So it's not based on results; it's based on character, <laughs> integrity. Uh, which actually, as I say that, there's only one guy that refused to come on the podcast. So I think Cam could be a likely candidate for for getting booted in the league based on that criteria. First to last could just just boot him out off off the back. Itzy, as a Boyd your expectations for this season with my unwavering confidence in you this year? I like it. 
it's good. Like, so I, it's good having someone in my corner because, uh, yeah, it's apparently obvious there's 10 other people not. So <laughs> I'd almost say 11 because you're not presenting as you're that comfortable <laughs> about your team either. I, li- I like my team, but, yeah, like, everyone's, everyone's got to like their own team. I think, I think the big disappointment I have or disadvantage at times is I, I don't know if this is right, but I think it is. Am I the only guy that's not on a computer at work uh, or close to it? Oh, Reese does. Uh, I don't think Reese uses a computer at work, but I think he works later in the day, so he can sort of watch the games in the morning. I think. Yeah, because that, that's the only thing I reckon. I, I just I don't have that, you know, sort of fully uh, researching my team as best I could, unfortunately. But you know what? You know, we're, we're going. Like, I think the best part is, you know, I haven't, you know, doomed the team with the name. I think uh, 2013, calling them the uh, the shit-sipping frittatas really didn't uh, get, them, <laughs> get, get them void off to play. So... Yeah, you know, the, the, the boys, uh, there was a meeting and th- they weren't really happy. So we, uh, we turned a new leaf. There was a pre-season camp um, and that was good. Well, we're, uh, I, I'm a big fan of your, your Judge Judy team name this year. So if team name's anything to go by, along with Andrew's predictions, you should be right in the mix. Uh, hopefully so. Well, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you and we look forward to seeing which of your team gets cut next. Uh, <laughs> hopefully for your sake, it's not Henry or Thomas, but um, you know, you never know. It's not been the best start for you, so anything can happen. We got it. It, uh, who is it? It could be McFarlane, seeing as though he's, uh, he's apparently already had a concussion. Well, it uh, just keeps getting better and better for the judge duty. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, Fitzy, and uh, good luck for the season. Cheers. Thank you. Well, that's eight from eight, Andrew. What would you make of the right of replies? I think they're pretty good. Um, I think you and I got off pretty lightly. It's Keeney's the one who's copped the whole ire of uh, the league. Uh, well, I don't think anyone said a bad word about me. It's maybe just <laughs> I'm the commissioner. I, uh, people don't want to offend me and have, them, have their trades rejected. Well, it did emerge there was a bit of cahoots going on in the draft with you and some of the other players. So uh, there's there's probably a bit of fear something from that. And you were spot on about Keeney. He just got whacked from every angle. Uh, we now know why no one wanted him to be on the call when they dialed in. Um, how weird was it seeing Woodsy turn up with a notepad full of scribble and, you know, numbers? And I've never seen anything like it for a 10-minute interview. The raving notes of a madman, some would say. <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of madmen, very, very unusual to see Fitzy and he's got his newspaper clippings with letters circled and highlighted behind him on the wall. Um, gave us a bit of an insight into his draft strategy, clearly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one step away from clipping them out and sending ransom notes, I think. <laughs> well, yes, and, and I think the, the one that probably uh, blindsided me the most was just the old wind-up camo who'd start every answer with just a very normal level-headed thing. And by the end, he was just spraying the entire universe. So he, he, he clearly is uh, in an unsettled state of mind. Yeah, at the was, yeah, there was definitely some flat, bad answers at the start from camo. And then he's just 
swinging like Shahida Freedy at the end of them. <laughs> Certainly was. Well, I think that's probably all the time we've got for today. But uh, thanks to the boys who joined us on the episode. Thanks to you as always, Kamish. Uh, thanks to Keeney for abiding by the requests of the league and staying away. Um, looking forward to seeing him come back on the next episode from the long run with his his own little writer reply. Uh, all the best for week one, Kamish, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. Good luck, everyone, in week one. Ruby, 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 Ruby! Sweet. Thanks for that, mate. That was good. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's actually gone. <laughs> <laughs>